0: Hey, it's Tuesday night, the best night of the week. Welcome to the Wise Guys, the number one BYU sports live stream show in the entire world. Already folks are uh, getting on the stream and telling us where they are watching and participating from. We're going to do it all night, so hop on there. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler with the Wise Guys. We're ready to roll. Yeah,
1: we always recognize the first one. to. So it's Mark Actual today is the first one to to sign in. And then Earl Carr is always early. Earl coming to us from Bountiful, up in Davis County. Uh, folks from Harriman already.
0: Beaumont, Texas. Yeah. Hey,
1: we want to hear from all you folks all over the world. Like, it is Columbia in the house with us again this week? It How has about to Panama? Be Singapore, Panama. Singapore, Japan. We love it that you're joining us from all the world. You know what? We love it that you're joining us from right here in Provo, as well. Uh, Farmington again with with michael canard
0: amber's back with us in new york city
1: i love it that amber joins us from new york city that's that's home for me right so
0: follow us on youtube we got the link in the chat hit the subscribe button it's free click on the bell you get notifications whenever we go live like we just did moments ago and um we're also live on facebook and we're live on twitch and we're on ysguys.com
1: yeah make sure you follow us on ysguys.com and subscribe so you get our weekly email that has highlights from the show that's free as well um, if you want to watch past interviews, we, we do a list every week, and we kind of change it up. So, so here's our list of some of the guests you can go back and look at: Danny Ainge, Kyle Van Noy, Mark Wilson, Gary Scheide, John Beck, Max Hall, Jay Hill, Justin Enna, Gennaro Guilford, Sione Pua, Kelly Papinga, Fessy Sataki, Harvey Unga, Steve Clark, Jamal Willis, so many others. They're all waiting That's for you a lot there. of guys. Yeah. You know what? We're we at a big a few, one we tonight. Just do a, we just do a few. Like one of my favorites was just a couple weeks ago. Sherry Dew was on the show. Yeah. She was phenomenal. I had, we had so many comments on Sherry being on the show.
0: One of the things folks were most fascinated about that interview as we talked to her Uh, In high school, she averaged 27 points and 18 rebounds for Ulysses High School. And
1: and BYU recruited her, and she said, no, I just want to go to school. She's too shy. They re-recruited her when she was on campus, and she said, no, thanks, I'm too shy, I don't want to play.
0: Yeah, Bountiful's in with us. Farmington, good to have you on the Wise Guys tonight. we got a lot going on. Kickoff's two weeks from Saturday with Sam Houston in town and... And it's all here. All, it's all it's, it's truly
1: countdown to kickoff now, and we're excited about that. Uh, BYU Hoops, the men's and women's teams, leave this week for some very important bonding as their uh, time in Europe is coming here. Uh, women are going to Italy, and the men are off to Croatia and Italy, and uh, what a great opportunity. As we talk to the coaches from both the men's and women's teams, they... They mentioned that it's not just about the bonding time over there. It's the extra practices that you get to prepare for the trip that are also very, yeah. very important to to these teams uh, moving forward. So
0: it's yeah. going gonna, gonna to be good stuff. Jonathan in uh, Henderson, Nevada, here with us. And uh, Michael saying the Matt and Savannah Shaw show was awesome. Uh, oh, yeah. Awesome Matt and Savannah well.
1: Shaw was awesome.
0: Those guys were great saying for us. And hey, we're going hey, to, we, cool.
1: I've got a commitment from. Uh, from one of the guys from Gentry to come on with us, okay. too. So maybe we we'll have some music that
0: week, too. that would be fun. Scott Williams tweeted us uh, today. He said, Dave and Blaine, great show, great insight, great stories. Asleep here in Germany when the show is live, but catch the podcast the following day while out on the course. Keep up the great work. And tonight, or tomorrow morning when he wakes up, he's going to hear from Tom Homo, who's our guest. Uh, here in just a couple of minutes, yeah. the athletic director at BYU. Yeah, we're excited to have Tom join us in just a second. Hey, a couple of headlines. Uh, former
1: BYU basketball coach Dave Rose will be inducted into the Utah Sports Hall of Fame on September 18th. Rose won 348 games at BYU, 167 games at Dixie State, a few more at Millard High way, way back when. Um, congratulations to our good friend Dave Rose. What, hey. what a great honor. Did you, He's I been know you feeling had these good. Did Did you count all the games? Because we got can we add more onto that three forty eight? Does that include the ones at the NCAA? I don't know.
0: I don't know how that. I don't. I was just in his uh, yeah. in his bio by the Utah Sports Hall of because Fame
1: because I I've never like personally took those games away. Just so you know, just <laughs> I, so you I know. talked to
0: him the other night. Uh, he's feeling better. He said he's last eighteen months. He's felt better yeah. since his last surgery, and uh, so Hall of Fame coming next month. Yeah, uh, up in Salt Lake City. So and, happy uh, for him, Cheryl. So cool. It's just
1: it's really really awesome. So congrats yeah. to Dave.
0: The AP Top 25 football poll released this week. Georgia's number one. Michigan's number two. Ohio State is number three. Of course, our interest is, well, where are the teams in the Big 12? That's right. So
1: Texas comes in at the top of the Big 12 at number 11. Kansas State checks in at 16. Number 17 is TCU. And Oklahoma is at 20. I'm actually surprised that um, that maybe Texas Tech didn't get a few votes. Yeah, I would have voted Texas yeah, Tech over Oklahoma. That's my surprise team for for nationally surprised i don't think people in the big Twelve are going to be surprised if texas tech is good this year but that's my surprise team for the country
0: cougars had a 105 play scrimmage on saturday at lavelle edwards stadium uh we interviewed the guys afterwards uh three weeks from that moment the place is going to be packed so and they'll be fun. playing for real and guys like keaton slovis have never done that wearing the blue and white
1: Keaton's been in that stadium wearing the USC jersey wearing wearing the Trojans uniform but uh, and he said that it felt cool to be in the stadium even though there's not fans he's got some memories in there he knows what that home crowd can be like and he's excited that that home crowd will be behind him in a couple of weeks when BYU has their home opener.
0: Mason Wake officially retired from football. The the leaper who brought Chad Lewis back into style by jumping over guys, uh, injuries and yeah. When all you, that leap, stuff when you leap like sucks that, too the much. The fun out of the game. Yeah,
1: when you leap too much, eventually you retire. That's that's exactly <laughs> yes. what happens.
0: You know, and and Steve Young's going to be with us next week on the show. When you run too much, yeah, eventually See, you. Steve retired. You have to Steve retire. retired at the peak of his career. I, He'll be in with us two weeks. Two yeah, weeks I, ha- I had
1: a, a really nice visit with Harvey Longy um, yesterday. Harvey was talking about um, some of the concussions that he's had in the league, and he's got multiple teams that want to sign him right now, even though camps are progressing, and he's just mulling over in his head whether he wants to go back. He's been cleared medically, but it's it's a it's a tough thing. Har- Harvey's certainly capable of being really good in the league still, but uh, man, you got you got to take care of your health. Steve Steve retired at really he was really still playing well and had m- many more years. And he didn't
0: want to retire. He wanted yeah, to keep playing. But he knew. he, but he knew, had to.
1: And, and people were telling him, you've got to, right? Yeah. People like our next guest were telling him, you probably should. Probably should hang it up. <laughs> yeah. So. When, uh,
0: when it, our, our next guest, is it's like E.F. Hutton when he says stuff. you got to listen. You listen. Yeah, absolutely. Let's bring him in. Our guest tonight's been the athletic director at BYU for 17 seasons. He's marched the Cougars through the Mountain West Conference, 12 years of independence, and is taking BYU into its first year as a member of the Big Twelve. He's an amazing story. We're thrilled to have Tom Homo on the Wise Guys tonight. I know everyone's looking forward to, to what we're about to do. Thanks for being here. It's good to be with you guys. You know, it's 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 not often we get to hang out like this, so we we're we were excited. We worked a long time to to um, to get the favored spot in your schedule, and we were, we think it's so cool that uh, that you're going to be. here. We're going to talk about a lot of things, and we want to start with. Uh, One of the biggest questions that we we came up with, you have four Super Bowl rings uh, in your time with the 49ers. Most Super Bowl rings of any player in BYU history. If the band Journey called you and said, Tom, we would like you to be our lead singer for next summer, but it's going to cost you two rings, would you give
2: them up? No uh, Uh, way. Come on, that's (laughs) your band. It's funny you say Journey, but... I, I've been on stage with Journey before. I know so I we know this. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so you went out there. Would you just sing with them? No, no. But, that's, but it's point, it we're,
1: Tom, we're talking for a whole tour. You get to tour a whole summer with no, them. No, that's that's all. That's all. Don't um, we all want to be rock stars? In the, in <laughs> See, the end? this no, is what no, we can. No. This is what we can do on
2: this show. We can do fantasy <laughs> stuff. Like it doesn't have. To, you don't even have to be a good singer. Now my band in San Francisco. Was Huey Lewis in the yeah. news? really. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and Journey was awesome, and they were great at inviting us to come around and be around, and they they let us come up on the stage, and uh, it's just kind of one story. We're at, at the Oakland Alameda Coliseum yeah. is where they where I saw them this one time, and uh, we were there, and we were backstage before the concert, just just you know, shooting the breeze. Was well, this when you were guys. playing? Right? This when I was playing.
0: Yeah. And, and this is when they were filling stadiums, not named Stadium of Fire, just stadiums because you know, they're uh, playing. Yeah,
2: big time. The Steve Perry and company. Yeah. Yes. And um, so we're getting ready. The concert's getting ready. You can see people are flurrying around. And I don't know if it was Steve Perry or somebody says, you guys want to come out on stage for the opening song? And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so they, they have these little flashlights. And it, when, you, when the flashlights come out and people start shuffling around, the crowd starts going crazy. And, you know, by this time I'd played in some pretty big games, and yeah. pretty big stadiums, and it, it, they didn't really affect me too much. My heart was beating 100 miles an hour. <laughs> really? And the crowd was going crazy. Do you know what song they open with? I can't remember. I can't remember anything. <laughs> Just the this. feeling, though. You can so remember the we're feeling. Up there, And then Steve Perry gets on the mic when the lights came up, and there were maybe eight or ten of us up there. Yeah and he gets on the mic and goes hey i want to introduce you to some of my friends and some of your friends some san francisco I, the place <laughs> went crazy okay. and i was frozen like a deer in headlights i didn't know what to do and then they just kind of had to go okay get off <laughs> you guys <laughs> beat it do, do you have do you have a favorite journey song um lights go down in the city yeah the city that's yeah. our city yeah. Yeah, that is that's your So, so our, what's your favorite Huey Lewis song though? Oh man, I, it's a hard... There's so many there's good so ones. so many right? to pick, but I can't pick one right now. I, I
1: always sing the song. Do you remember the one? Um, yes, it's true. I'm so happy to be stuck with you. Yeah, so I always tell Brenda that's our song because she's stuck with me.
2: So one of Huey's songs is Hip To Be Square. Oh right? yeah. And, yeah. And he had a couple of 49ers are singing background on that. So my roommate with the Niners, Ricky Ellison, well, for the whole time we were together um, he knew Huey really well and they were tied I don't know they golfed together Huey's a big time golfer <laughs> yeah runner. he golfed yeah. a lot and uh, we go to Ricky's house and there's a gold record on his wall on Ricky's wall because he was he was on the track on the yeah that uh, said happy to be stuck with you so, so for- Jack
0: who you met one of our white one of the wise guys he, he used to have a restaurant in San Francisco and uh, he tells the story one night uh, in comes this guy by himself and he says hey I've heard good things about this place I'd like to eat here and so he goes and he sits down and he does his thing and, and then Jack comes over to his table and, and he's like going you know you look a lot like Steve Perry and he goes well I am Steve Perry <laughs> and, uh, and they were in town because they were playing like the next night and he had his nice dinner and Jack said he was super cool and nice and he ate and left a nice tip and got up and was out his way and, and that was Jack's brush with <laughs> With fame, because back then, I'm amazed that he was doing anything by himself, because the band was off the
2: charts. You know, what's one of my favorite things about the city of San Francisco, it's a big city, but back in those days, you could go into the city, and you'd see celebrities, and you'd see stars, and, and people didn't really get all... Um, you know, what's it called when you're taking pictures? Oh,
1: like paparazzi, paparazzi coming after him, you yeah. Know, hey,
2: you know, it wasn't like that and people were cool and if they saw you they'd just go, Hey, good game the other day. You know, it just was so fun. That city loved their teams, the Giants. Oh, it was one of the great Niners, sports
1: towns yeah. in in the in the world yeah. that during that run when you guys were so yeah. good back in those days. Yeah, to That's be
2: able to Lori and I, you know, we lived down on the peninsula, a little oh, more quiet. Yeah. yeah. But um, we would go up into the city and I we just loved it. We had our little small Italian restaurants <laughs> on the you might have eaten at North Beach that yeah. were packed away and I just it's, it brings back tremendous memories. When when you were at
0: Stadium of Fire here last month uh, and Journey's the band and the place is packed and they start singing lights and everyone's got their phones going did you tear up?
2: No, but it was very memorable. I yeah. uh, just it just it was a long time ago. Yeah. But it's just amazing that Some of the original members of the band are still up there playing, and they're grinding. They're still hitting it pretty good. (laughs) And the part I love about that is, like athletes, they just wear out. Yeah, right. After ten or twelve years, that's a long career, except for Tom Brady. Right. Tom can play forever. Yeah, but you know these musicians, they're so skilled. They're so great. They it's in their mind, they're so creative, and they love the gigs so much that just the beat to be able to get up on those stage. It's addicting. It's hypnotic. And they just it's hard for them to break away, but why would they? Right. Yeah. And they can do they can do it, can it for a long time.
1: We went to the Eagles when they came here um, to it's hey, we can call it the Delta Center again, right? Yeah. yeah Back to the old day. So they came to the Delta Center, Brendan and I went and Joe Walsh is up there just shredding. And I'm like, is he like a hundred? Like I don't know how old he is, but he was still ridiculously good. Yeah. So I know those great bands. We Dave and I were talking, we're like, okay, so Journey filled up that stadium on the on the fourth. And what we were nostalgic about was, okay, here's the stadium's full. Next time the stadium's gonna be full. That's what we were thinking. Yeah. Is gonna be for the opener on September 2nd against Sam Houston. Um, what what's your message to Cougar Nation as we march forward into this big 12 and uh and, and what do we need out of them as, as we embark on this journey
2: i i think the message i'd say is be you be by i mean the, we've we've done it our way forever and i don't think we're going to be successful as doing it any other way than the way it's done and has been done in the past you mentioned so many of those names of some of the guests you've had in here and they're unique and we, you know, from the time of Lavelle and even previous coaches, even some of the other sports you talked about Dave earlier, Dave Rose, um, each one of them had their own uniqueness, but it fit within the brand of BYU Cougar sports. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we just keep going. Now, we're internally, we're going to have to learn and grow and change and transition a little bit, but our core principles have, have got to stay the same.
0: Neil is with us from Tucson, Arizona. Garrett's here from Signal Mountain, Tennessee. Nice. Uh, it, this live stream thing is a racket because people can get on and chime in from all over the world about uh, the, uh, what they love about Cor- the Coups. Corey
1: Yoshimura, I think Corey is our is from the because he comes in from Tokyo most weeks, um, but because that's further than Panama, right? yeah, yeah. Singapore. Yeah, and, we had, we had Singapore, Australia. a couple weeks yeah, Australia ago. Australia was in. And, and, Australia might take it too. that's yeah. just, It's pretty cool, and that. That's an indication when we do this show, because it's a global podcast, it's really neat for us to think about the reach of BYU and BYU sports, because this is a sports-themed show, that that there's there's truly fans from South Korea to, to Japan to Australia. Is there any other brand like it in college sports right now?
2: No, I don't think so. I, I think that our affiliation with the worldwide church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints people come from all over the world to B- BYU, and then they don't stay in the Wasatch Front. They yeah. go all over the world, sometimes back to their homes, and sometimes to new places. They go to graduate school, then they get jobs, and then they come in, BYU, this is the place. Yes. But then they spread around throughout the world, and I just think the uniqueness of the affiliation. Notre Dame would be somewhat similar, but it's not like the Mecca for the Catholic Church. but. I think you know, BYU being here in Provo and the Salt Lake Temple and Church headquarters in Salt Lake, yeah. Utah is the spot.
1: Wait, well, you were saying that, the, the sign in the entry as you go right by practice fields, enter to serve go or enter to learn go forth to serve just popped into my head. That really, that motto applies. That's exactly what you're talking about. They come in to learn.
2: And then they go all over the world to serve. It's so real, and I drive by it every single day. Yeah. I look at it every day. I think it's kind of a tradition. I wouldn't say superstition, <laughs> <laughs> It's a tradition. And I, I, it means so much to me. It's what, like, it's why you asked. Where they're they're everywhere. How's yeah. that work? And they do serve. But one of the other things they do is they remain loyal to mm, BYU. Right. And part of BYU is the sports, the athletic teams, and. I love that. There's the other, you know, obviously if you looked at a uh, vocal point and some of the other right. musical groups, uh, the young ambassadors, that the brand that tr- we go all over the world, you, you mentioned that this week, we are men's and women's basketball team in um, Croatia and Italy. I was with the women's volleyball team this yeah. year in Cairo, Egypt, Istanbul, Turkey, and in Athens, Greece. Wow. And just seeing the teams and, going over there and seeing these young women that are six foot three. <laughs> they, stu- they stood
1: strong, out over there, didn't they?
2: You know, powerful, beautiful women, and they play hard, and they're very athletic, but just the presence and to see the conversations that they have in Egypt. We played the na- the Egyptian national team. They were all Muslim. We were all members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. You're playing on the same court. It was a battle royal. They beat us. They were very good. Afterwards, you're going to have a dinner. They don't speak. There's one girl on their team that played in the States. That knows English. That knew English. The rest of them didn't. Mm -hmm. So after the dinner, during dinner, they're kind of, they're sitting across from each other on a table. The coaches and I were on another table. You look over at them, they're kind of ice breaking because they have something in common. This is volleyball. It's a sport. And then they have other things in common. They're just they're girls. They have you know, friends and boyfriends. And by the end of the night, they're talking. I don't know what they're saying because they don't speak each other's language. <laughs> but by when we left that night, they were taking selfies and pictures and hugging, kissing on the cheek. That's and cute. it was like, what an amazing opportunity for our young women when they're 18 to 22 years old to go across the world. That's yeah. what entered to learn. Mm-hmm. Go forth to service. Yep. BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo on the Wise Guys tonight. We're live on YouTube, Facebook,
0: Twitch, and YSGuys.com. Let's, we're going to go back in time here a little bit. Uh, think of the men you've played for Lavelle Edwards, Bill Walsh, George Seifert. Also, the same men that you coached for as a grad assistant, defensive back coach. You also worked for Steve Mariucci. Why do you think these men were placed in your path?
2: Oh, man. It's really hard to put it. I think about it a lot because I'd even even go back further. I had two of my favorite coaches of all time: were my high school basketball coach Ed Gorgian, who just died this year at 90. 90. Oh, wow. yeah. and and a Ken Bierman, who was my defensive coordinator and DV coach. That these two men taught me so much about the not just the game, but just about how to survive, yeah. how to how to. Uh, carry yourself, how to be a great teammate, how to serve they taught me that then I, when you count Coach Wallace and Coach Seifert and Coach uh, Edwards, I count these two Ken Bierman and um, Ed Gorgian in that same thing and I, I, here's what I think I think we all have incredible coaches or people um, mentors in our lives and I just don't think you get the most out of them And I I was super fortunate to have some guys that are at the top of the pecking order. Hall of Famers. But I, I think that I've run into so many people in my life that also had influence on me in some way, shape, or form. And I think that my mom and dad taught me early on. It's not about you. It's about what you can learn from other people. So the more friendly, the more helpful you can be to other people, you're gonna pick up things from them. My dad was a barber. He yeah. worked in the same barbershop for 53 years. And you know what it's like? A barber is like a bartender. Yeah. You know, people come in there, and they're going to tell you stories. <laughs> and, you know, like when I grew up, they didn't call me Tom Olmo. I was Ivan's boy. That's yes. what I thought my name was Ivan's yeah. boy. <laughs> hey, you're Ivan's boy. And, and my dad was just a legend as a barber. Yeah, Think about that. And it wasn't like Floyd on, who <laughs> Andy was another River. legend. Yeah. another Andy legend, Mid-Ber. Floyd on. Yeah, Andy, Andy Grimberg Grimberg. Show. Oh, Yeah, but um, I think like watching my dad and all these people that he knew, and he'd come home and share these amazing stories every night at the dinner table. And so like I think that I was placed for a reason. I'll, I'll someday ask why that was yeah but i i think one of the things is the best part about it is i picked some stuff up i might not have picked it all up because i've had some failures after post working with them that i should have known better but there's a bunch of stuff that have helped really helped me you
1: you and i That's both good. had had the chance to um to play for lavelle you got to coach with lavelle um i feel like i got closer to lavelle when i was done playing you know, covering him uh, from a broadcast perspective for all those years. We we got really close with he and Patty. In fact, Brenda's still really close with Patty to, to this day. Um, do, do you have a favorite Lavelle story? Oh, man. I, I There's have so many great ones, right? But yeah. what do you have a favorite that you would share with us? Some of them I can't tell.
2: You can tell. I have one that I've <laughs> thought about telling <laughs> well, Tom, and I'm like, I, well, I don't know. And yeah. I might tell it tonight, depending well, on what you tell. You no. Know, I, I, fa- There's just so many great stories, but some of them are... They're almost sacred. I can't. I, you know, if I start telling them, I'ma tear up. Yeah, I know.
1: Go I know. On. That's why I was just gonna tell a funny one, but but yeah. it,
2: oh, I'll tell a funny yeah, one. Yeah, tell us a funny one. Because I mean, we have talk talk a, a few more about questions, about questions coming. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Sort of, when we played um, Texas A&M in that bowl game where they broke Ty up pretty good, he yeah. broke his collarbone, and and RC Slocum was the other coach on the other team. I was with RC. We serve on a committee, and last week. He's a great man, and he's an incredible storyteller. And we were telling Lavelle stories all night long, back and forth, (laughs) back and forth. I was amazed at how many stories he had. This is a coach at Texas A&M, and that he had these stories about Lavelle. And, uh, I know, one of the things that was crazy about it is I've heard – I heard Lavelle swear twice in my oh, all the time. Were I they both with, ch- uh, pointed at Jim McMahon? No, or? no. One no, was at no. Glenn Kozlowski. One
0: was
1: at Glenn and Tom, and I both heard well, that. Maybe one. it was three. <laughs> yeah.
2: But but it was because they they tried to bury us in that game, yeah. And they were trying to you know increase their ranking and everything, and and Lavelle. And the part that I <laughs> love about it is mild manner Lavelle. He was just sticking up for his mm-hmm. boys. Yeah. And, you know, and I saw it. It was so good for me to just, like, we got crushed. I don't even know what the score was. 65 oh, to It was, I it was uh, like, I, I called, I called, that, game. I I called that. that game, and
1: it was hard it, to it call. It was a lot, yeah. a lot
2: to not very many. But, like, just the, the reason I tell this story is for, I've been around football a long, long time. Lavelle had the patience of a saint. The, the people he was around, Jimmy Mack and oh, all yeah. the situations, he was just a beautiful man. Yeah, and yes, he the, was. The best stories are the ones that, like, it, I guess I must sum up. My favorite is the fact that I can't go anywhere. I'm, I'm in my 60s. I can't go anywhere in this country that has to do with athletics without somebody grabbing me and saying, hey, let me tell you the story about Lavelle. They all want to tell stories about Lavelle. And that, that's legend. That's yeah. a legend. Yeah, not not that's
1: once amazing. in my life has anybody ever come up to me and said, yeah, you're old, you're old Coach Lave, I don't like him. Never. That's never happened no. to any of us, right? So, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to tell you a story about him. It's kind of funny, but I'm not sure if I can, I can tell it on this show. Easy, easy, coach. So, <laughs> No, so do you know, you know how he used to meet with us after every spring yeah. in his office down yeah, there in so. Smithfield House? And the Smithfield House is right at the bottom of the stairs coming down from campus, and Lavelle had that mirrored glass window um, that you you didn't know it was into his office, but you're sitting there talking to Lavelle, and then people are walking by and they keep looking at themselves in the mirror and everything, and uh, and he and I were sitting there, and a young lady came down and just decided to really she looked really close and looked at her teeth and fixed her teeth. She fixed her hair and then she stood up really tall and she like really adjusted her bra. And, like, Lavelle and I now at this time, we're both looking at that. And, and you know how nobody knows how funny Lavelle was, right? So so it's just kind of quiet for a minute, and then she walks off. And I turn around, and I look at Lavelle, and I go, well, now that's not something you see every day. And he goes, oh, Blaine, if you sit in this chair, yes, you do. Yes, you do. And I just thought, he always had just the right, just dry kind of remark that would just get us. And and he had a great sense of humor that Only those of us that got to be around him all the time really saw. Everybody thought, oh, he's so stoic. But he was one of the funniest people I've I've ever known.
2: Something just popped into my mind that it's a good story, and you'll know this, is in in Utah, the weather changes on a dime. And you can turn on the the channels, two, four, five, whatever they Mm -hmm. might be, and you can try to predict the weather. There's only one person that could be 100% on the weather, and that was Lavelle. (laughs) It was amazing how we would normally have meetings at 2 o'clock, and then practice at like what three, yeah. three ten or something like that. So there'd be times when we'd come in, getting thinking we we're coming at back from school at two, getting ready for me, and they, they'd say, "Get dressed right now. We're going to go out and practice. Rain's coming." And you look out, and there's not a cloud in the sky. And at about three <laughs> thirty, absolutely, there comes the rain. He can and, feel it and in and his he bones. He can feel it in his bones. And and we he we did it all the time. Yes. Oh, he and, knew. And we and after about a year, I thought. This guy's crazy. No, not, how could he do this? He's lucky. Now I know, he just had a connection. He's tapped. Him. He's <laughs> tapped
1: in. The, the, the thing I respect for him most is people people like, why was he such a good coach? And and I think back on it after all these years, and he had this great knack for creating this this family environment and with these teams. Like we were we were brothers that were just gonna go battle together, yeah. and and he was able to do that. Every year that he coached the, this this kind of family, us against the world, um, and he was able to do that, and he gave people responsibility, and he let them go run with that responsibility, and, and people thrived under him and wanted to come work here because they knew that he would let them thrive and grow, and he had no ego, and I appreciated that. Because he had no ego, coaches wanted to come through and coach and learn and grow and go on and do great things. So,
2: so talking about Lavelle as players, How many times do people tell stories about his um, strategy acumen, like on the field? No, you're never going to hear stories about the play he drew up in the fourth quarter that saved the game. You know, those were for his assistants. All the stories that you learn and love and retell to your kids and grandkids are about the heart. Yes. That's all. Yep, for
0: sure. DF writes in, I remember visiting a ward on the east side of Provo, and to my surprise, Lavelle Edwards opened the door for me (laughs) back in the day. Um, tell us your favorite interaction with
2: Bill Walsh oh man I, 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 it's so hard I mean I coached with him for a couple years there's yeah. a couple there that I cannot tell about <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you I love, I love Bill Walsh I think um, you know just one of the ones this might sound crazy but um, in about my fourth year I had or maybe it was my third year I was in training camp we had about um maybe halfway through camp and we had a camp up in rockland california outside of sacramento and i get a knock on the door at about six o'clock at night open it up and it's the it's the the guy that's the can to you see your playbook it was rc owens and he's the i can't remember what they called the, there's a term for it but you're you're gonna get cut like
1: the guys say, i need your playbook yeah. and coach wants so, to see you right so
2: i go upstairs to see coach wallace and He's, it's, he's in his office in this dorm room. It's a small little... And you think this is it for you? Oh, it was it. He calls me in and he goes, Hey, Tom, um, I just want you to know that we're going to let you go. You've had a great career. You, you've won a Super Bowl. You got to play on one of the great teams of all time. You have incredible friends with this team. You'll never, ever forget this. But you're a smart guy. You're going to do so much more out of football. But I don't want you to be one of those guys that goes around and tries to catch on and play for right. four or five years on seven or eight different teams. It will not be good for you. You had a great career, call it a career and it's over. I, I don't wow. I was in shock. Wow. And that was it. And I walk out and I go down and talk to Ricky and he goes, What? You got cut? What? Well, three days later, no but and it was about it was about four days later, uh, I get a call from the general manager and he says, Hey, we're gonna sign you back. We need you back. And I'm thinking, he just told me that wasn't good. Enough to say that my time was over. What, was
1: he calculatingly going, We're probably going to sign him back next week, so I don't want him to go try to play but with anybody? I don't anybody know else. exactly
2: how it was, but when I came back, he looked me in the eye and said, It's time to go. And I'm like, Yes, sir, let's go. And I mean, here's what it taught me he wanted to win games. They made a switch, it didn't work, something happened, but he had the, you know, he was strong enough and the leader enough to look me in the eye and go, let's go. I, I can use you. I have, And he didn't say I made a mistake. I don't think he made a mistake. But, I, I mean, I played for like four more years. Yeah, And during yeah. those four more years, our relationship grew stronger and stronger. So sometimes it's a gospel principle that the adversity and the challenges that you feel in your life, they make you stronger. And so from that, I was always nervous I was going to get cut. And that from that time forward, I just let it fly. I mean, I got cut. What, were you, do, you a were you, you a better player down? because of it? Those next way four years, way better, way better. Because you just played played freely for, for, and played for the moment. And yes, indeed. And and I just kept thinking, well, he's right. I've had an incredible career. Let's just try to squeeze another couple <laughs> Let's weeks. Go now. have some fun and, and, then, and ended and up
0: four more years. Pick up a couple more Super yeah, Bowl yeah, rings.
1: Right. What, what, <laughs> what about George Seifert? And was he similar to Bill? Were they completely different? What what experiences did you have with George?
2: No, they weren't completely different. They were very similar in that they were. Their incredible commitment to the game, their intellectual appeal to the X's and O's. These are two guys that just, you know, I remember one of George's sons was a ball boy and he was really young. And we said, "What does your dad do for fun?" He draws plays on napkins, <laughs> 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 and that's true.
1: They, they were both those guys were football wizards, wizards,
2: really, right? And uh, you know, it just you just learn to grow with them you could not keep up with them it was impossible to keep up with them from a coach to a player and one of the things i learned there was like they gave us so much but then they back away a little bit so when it came game time they would t- they, you you had to be smart you had to be an intellectual to play on the 49ers cuz they'd give you tons of stuff but they didn't want to oversaturate you so when game time comes they backed it, backed it, backed it, backed it. And so when it was time to play, they knew exactly what plays you could use, what was perfect for you. But you had to push hard during the week. So like from those experiences, I learned you can you can be exposed to a ton, but when you, if it, a good, the best coaches. They, they get the players exactly ready. You don't want to give them too much where they're oversaturated, but you don't want to cut it down so much that they don't yeah. have enough. And I think both of them were excellent. I think Bill's really one of his major things is the social change in the league that he brought forward. A lot of people don't give it credit. The Bill Walsh Minority Scholarship, mm-hmm. he was the one that started by giving Jerry Rice's coach at Mississippi Valley and their offensive coordinator, an opportunity to come to camp. He invited Jerry's coach to come to our summer training camp for the whole time. And at the time, there were no rules against it. Gave them uniforms and um, Just like coaches, they had a locker. They came to every single one of our meetings. They were in the, and and they did everything. And it was an opportunity for those two young African-American coaches to be exposed to other coaches, great players, an incredible system, and to be able to see and, and learn and grow, to feel like, you know what? I did something no one else has done, and they gained confidence. From that experience, the NFL Finally, a couple years later, we did it with Tyrone Willingham. We did it with, um, oh, my gosh, Marvin Lewis. Mm -hmm. Those were the original first couple guys that we brought in with the league. And from that time, there's been, I'm going to say, close to maybe a 1,000 minority coaches that have had the opportunity to come in and get a chance. And of those 1,000, hundreds of them have become college coaches and eventually Head coaches in the NFL, unbelievable.
1: See, I didn't realize that all that whole program started with Bill's vision. That's pretty cool. That's, that's why it's called the Bill that, Walsh Fellowship. That's a legacy. It's it's right? unreal. It is really and cool. at that
2: time, people were like, "Why? Why?" Well, the reason why was there were no black coaches. Now, I shouldn't say none. Art Shell was a great coach. Right. Mar- uh, there's a few other Tony Dungy, but there were so few. Now, if you look at the game, you know it, it's there's a yeah. you know, a lot more African American players than white players. And you look and see, and there's way more coaches now that have the opportunity. But it started with Bill. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love the fact that we got to be there when that happened.
0: Yeah. Let's, let's transition to coaching for a sec, because you told me a great story. Um, hopefully you'll remember it. Uh, what, because you played for Seifert, and then you coached for him. And um, if I'm just remembering it vaguely, but you had a conversation <laughs> with him that was very impactful. I know you remember it. What what was well, it? Well,
2: if this is a one. I, well, I was coaching at the time. I was a DB coach, and, and he was the head coach. But all the time that I played it with the Niners, he was my um, defensive coordinator. Right. And he was, it was a tough one. So I remember... Um, well, we're, we're watching, I, I'm coaching now, and we're watching this game. It's in practice, I mean, in, uh, during the week of practice. It's late at night, and the defensive staff is watching. He comes and sits down. This guy comes across the middle of the field on the other team, um, drops the ball right in his hand, DB, and drops the ball. And he looks over at me and goes, Do you remember that play against the Patriots in 85 when you dropped that ball coming right across the middle? Oh my goodness! And it was like it was like just, and I uh, and I have. Oh yeah, of course you remember <laughs> it. You remember it, but million, you would expect that he would remember said, it. Said yeah, he was like, we it was third down, and that would have ended the game if you would have picked it off. But they had another chance to win, and lucky for you, we got we stopped them on the next oh, play. Oh man, and this is like a long time later, and and I'm thinking. He doesn't let anything. This guy's got a mind like a steel trap. It scared me that he knew all those details.
0: (laughs) Wow. You have Steve Mariucci, who you coached for at Cal, and then he left to go to the 49ers, and then you became the head coach at Cal. So Mariucci also had a big part in your life.
2: Steve is a great guy. Fun, super fun guy. Great family. He brought a lot of uh, enthusiasm to the game, to the week. He was full of energy. And uh, I learned a lot from him, Uh, the way he dealt with situations, um, way different than a lot of other coaches. He was really good with the players, uh, brought a lot of humor in, way more humor than the hard stick. And um, we just coached for Taylor for one year. But in that one year, we became dear, dear friends.
1: I, I can imagine. I bet he was a good recruiter. Right? He was, oh. seems like he
2: would relate to players and families and do a great job with yeah. recruiting. He, he didn't spend a lot of time in college because he we, from he was an assistant. He had one year. With the, That's right, and then, and then he, he went boom up yeah, to the Niners.
1: Yeah, well, you you were coaching um, the defensive backs with Bill Walsh at Stanford back in '92 when Seifert brought you back to the Niners to coach the defensive backs, including Dion, right? Dion Sanders, who's now going to be a coach. For Colorado. Like, it's all like, like one big circle. What, what's your favorite Dion story? Um, and if we counted right, you won your fourth Super Bowl ring with, with Dion and company in 1994, right? Mm. Um, yeah, what, what's he like? And, did, and do you have any fun stories from Dion? Well, and what's going to be like to have him in the league now?
2: Let me tell a story first. <laughs> and that was, I was, it was my first year as a DB coach of the Niners. We're in the preseasons. our last preseason game, Attack Candlestick. And after the game, we're in the Niner locker room. And it's, people are getting ready. It's We've broken camp. The next day, and two days from then, we're going to start the regular season. And we're in the locker room, and I'm talking to some of the DBs afterwards. And all of a sudden, Dion comes in to our locker room in street clothes with his entourage. <laughs> and I went to Ray Rhodes, who's the defensive coordinator, and said, Ray, Bob, what's Dion doing in the locker room? He goes, we just signed him. He's going to play for us. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's I got to coach him. <laughs> I'm, the D- I'm the DB coach. You've got prime I can't. time. I said, I "Coach Ray, yeah. I can't coach, Dion. <laughs> but it I was a it was a great time because I also had. Tim McDonald, Martin Oh Hanks, man, you Eric had some, Dennis. you had some dudes, and uh, they were super good. So what but was it I, like coaching Dion? I loved Dion. Dion, Dion was, uh, we, it was a one year, one season, one not even a year. It was from the, he wasn't gonna play preseason. No, no of course way. not. <laughs> so he signed right then. We had him for one year. He was the defensive player of the year in the NFL. We won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And um, see, who needs camp? Man, he was just such a, he was <laughs> such a nice guy. He was friendly. He's a family guy, and. And the thing that was interesting, he has like this prime, you know, he's prime. Prime time. Prime time. Coach prime now. and But he had this persona that it was so easy. And it was for him. But he studied hard mm-hmm. when no one was looking. Right. He had an incredible mind for the game. He knew a lot of things. He learned tricks. And one of the things he did back in the day before the internet, he had, or cell phones, he had a Rolodex of all the players. He knew every player's name. He'd call people up during the week. A DBs and say, hey, I'm watching this game. How'd you do that? Why'd you do that? So when he'd go into a game, people think it was just total skill, which he had plenty. Yeah, he had lots of skill. But he backed it up with a lot of intelligence.
0: Yeah. Is there anybody faster with a football after an interception or a punt return than him running right in front of you? Off Maybe the side Jerry line? Rice. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Rice?
2: So here's the thing about Jerry. Jerry was probably the fourth or fifth fastest player on our team yeah. if you got him on a stopwatch. But functional speed... In his helmet and shoulder pads and cleats, you, when he got that ball in his hands or when he was running a route, there was no one close to him. But I mean, remember the first day that Prime was in practice, and they, everyone on the field, everyone in the field, the custodians, the lawn guys, every manager, <laughs> every player, they're looking in line one-on-one. Are, is Dion going to match Dion, up against Dion's Jerry? in one line and Jerry's in the other. And they weren't matching up, and then all of a sudden, everyone's like, here it comes. (laughs) And the two guys, they don't even shake a head at it. They get up there, and everybody stopped practice. Just to watch those two? (laughs) The other drills just stopped. And it was like, oh, boy, this is going to be a good season. Those two guys went at it hard.
1: Who who was throwing to them right then? Was it Steve? Steve. Steve? Oh, man. Yeah. Steve's coming on next week. So where was like because I think Steve's gonna claim he was in the top five fastest on the team at that time. Was that true? Steve's fast.
2: Yeah, he might claim it. It might be right. I would not. <laughs> I would not say no. He was pretty, like I. He's amazingly fast.
1: People don't realize how like flat out fast Steve was and
2: super athletic. Yeah, crazy athletic.
0: So I, I find it fascinating that a handful of the greatest names to ever play the game of football were your teammates. Yeah. Or
2: guys you coached? Yeah, you know it's. I think about this a lot. Um, you know, I've I've been able to go back to the Hall of Fame on a number of occasions. See when your my, whole team. When my friends are getting inducted <laughs> in the Hall of Fame, and you know that that's a blessing just to be able to rub shoulders with these guys. But it's like the greatest thing right now is I you know, on my phone. I have a text string. It's called, it's the 49er DBs. Yeah. And it's Ronnie Lott and Carlton Williamson and Eric Wright and Dwight Hicks. Oh, man. Dwight Hicks and the Hot Licks. <laughs> and, and, and Jeff Fuller and, and uh, Chet Brooks and all these guys that were during the time that we played. And we, we send this, we finished, I finished up in 1989 as a player. It was a long time ago. Some of these guys before me and we're still brothers. Yeah. And yeah. so like the rings don't really matter. The, the, the honors and all that stuff, the jerseys, it doesn't really matter. It's just what matters is that all that time that we spent together, the blood, sweat, and tears, it, it counted for us so much that our relationships now, today, are stronger than they were back then. And I love mm-hmm. that fact. Let's build on
0: that uh, with Tom Homo here tonight on the Wise Guys. This game of football is giving you the high of highs, (laughs) four-time WAC champion, four-time Super Bowl champion. It's also brought you to your knees. Head job at Cal didn't work out like you'd hoped. You become an associate director at BYU, associate athletic director in the middle of a firestorm uh, where a lot of uh, the head coaches dismiss, a number of others are out. And then 2005, you become the athletic director. And here you are getting ready for another season. So, Blaine and I would like to know what it is about this love for this game that you have that has
2: kept you through it all. Believe me, that's what it is. I mean, it's just I love the game. I love the people that play it. And uh, one of the things I've learned at BYU is, you know, I I, I played football, baseball, basketball, and ran track when I was a kid growing up. And, you know, when you start concentrating on football in college and pro, but when I got to BYU, one of the things people asked me as a coach, I I had failed as a coach, as a head coach. I, I felt that I had done a good job as an assistant, but as a head coach, I had failed. But when I got to BYU, the question was going to be for our family. Lavelle brought me back and said, "Hey, you need to come chill out mm-hmm. at BYU. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll see. You come here, it's your people. You'll you'll give us something good. But after that, you determine what you want to do. And then." So people say, you want to coach? You want to get back into coaching? But when I was there, I got to know all the other athletes from the other sports. Women's teams, men's teams. And I found out, it's just not the football team. All these kids are dynamite. They're strong. They're beautiful. They're courageous. They're vulnerable. They have highs. They have lows. They have dreams. Some of them have come from terrible situations. Some of them, are going to make it some of them aren't and and that was just like being on a team so I kind of put myself in a position to say all right, I'm not going to be their coach but I'm going to mentor a lot of these kids and that's what I'm going to do I'm going to spend more of my time than maybe some of my peers that are really really good at um, compliance or business or fundraising or whatever marketing I, I didn't have any of those skills so I just went back to Lavelle and he hired a bunch of people to do that So I hired a bunch of people. (laughs) We all learned that that from LaBelle. And then I spent the time that most of my time just connecting with the coaches and the players. And like, you know, like just I'm going to go to, uh, I don't know, I might go to 100 games this year. Right. When you you add them all up and uh, all the different sports and every one of them will be my bliss. That's what I do. I love it.
0: And your wife's such a good sport because oh, she's man. sitting right yeah, next she's, to you.
2: Have you, been, have you even been
1: back? I don't know if you've done. Have you gone back to like nationals with cougarettes even? Have yeah, you ever done yeah, that? Yeah, I have, yeah. See, he gets to do it all. Like, <laughs> this is the greatest job ever. That's. I've, I've decided that that may, because we've gone a couple times, that may be more intense than playing in a bowl or anything like that. That is intense. It's
2: super intense, but it's well worth it. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, I, my, I call them the Cougs. Yeah, the Cougs. The Cougs, the, they're, they're super good, and they, just, they doubled up two years in a row yeah. where they won and uh, jazz, but they, they're, they're different and, and each one of our teams and each one of the sports brings a uniqueness to the, the kind of the acumen of that sport and what they need to do to fulfill it. But the leadership, the culture, all those things are the same in all the sports. Resonates from it doesn't matter
1: if it's Cougs or it's the track team or it's the it's football the team. It all goes
2: yeah goes
0: across and, Sam. Then, that's great. Sam from uh, Bakersfield, California says hello. Spencer from Lubbock, Texas says Tom's the best AD BYU's ever had. We love you, Tom. That's a running theme throughout Cougar Nation, uh, and a lot of it has to do with what Blaine's about to ask you. Yeah, which it, has brought us to where we are today. It's,
1: it's so, so we, Dave and I were reflecting September 10th, 2021. That name, that, that day will resonate to you. Kevin Worthen, the president of BYU, accepts BYU's invitation to join the Big 12. He says this, and I quote, there's no way the Cougars would be in this position if it hadn't been for Tom Homo. So then the next day, we go out and BYU beats Utah in front of a sold out crowd at LaBelle Edwards Stadium. So we get the Big 12 announcement. Next day, Utah B. Is there a better two day period in the history
2: of BYU sports than those right there? Yeah, I think there's some good ones. Two think, day period. That well, just yeah, it has to be back day. to back it's days. Uh, day. It can't even
1: be a whole weekend. It's back to
2: back. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, it's like it all is part of one big hole for me. I mean, that's why I, I see, like, I've been in so many different situations at BYU that have been, it's just what you dream of. So, like, to think that that's a better dream. <laughs> no, it's just all part of the same dream. It's all the
1: dream, and you're living it. You're it's living all the part dream. of the
2: same. And it, it started when this little punk kid, my mom and dad, they had a 72 uh, Col- uh, Cutlass, and they towed my 62 Volkswagen Bug from L.A., came up to Provo, you know how it used to be, two yeah. weeks in the dorms at like uh, he- uh, Helaman Hall. When they drove me up, they unpacked their bags and said, it's going to be a long ride home. we got to go. And I'm like, what can you not stay the night or like you're gone and they left and i just cried like a baby yeah and i thought how in the world am i going to do this this place is so foreign it's such a strange place yeah yeah and i love now like fast forward however many years it's been it's a beautiful place it's home it's just it's an unbelievable place but it's about the people yeah you know and and from the first day in that dorm I remember there's a song by um, Little River Band, that uh, Scott Colley, who was Austin, all these guys, um, you know, they were in the dorms, and we're all in the same situation. We were all just a bunch of snot nosed freshman kids, and we're like starting off our dream. And these were who we had. That's it. You had to depend on each other. And so, like I, I talked to Scott today, it's just like amazing, and and we just like that's what you turn to each other cuz that's yeah. all you got. And my parents went home that day and you know I was homesick a little bit that year but sure. my family was the cokes, Yeah. And that's that's what yeah. still yeah. is.
1: Yeah, and isn't it fun that you can like if you didn't see Scott Collie for 10 years and didn't talk to him and then you ran into each other it wouldn't be yeah. it'd be the same Right, it's Like yeah. your brothers, and you would just pick right up where you left off, which, yeah. is, which is the magic of playing sports and being out there every day together and mm-hmm. being in meetings together. and it, it, really, it really creates a camaraderie that lasts a lifetime.
2: Only if you sacrifice and pay the price when you're together originally. Right. Like how many times you talk to people and go, hey, what are, this my, they're going to go to their 30th high school reunion. No, I'm not going to go to my reunion. And, I, and you know right away, if you don't go to your high school reunion... Then you must not have had a great. You didn't have a great experience. experience. but like I'm gonna be a martyr because <laughs> we had a great experience, and that's what's like. That's why I tell all the student athletes right now: this is the time. If you pay the price right now and you sacrifice for your teammates and are not selfish and you just go out there and give everything you go, you got it lasts forever. it Lasts forever, and that's yeah. why you can say, forty years later. Scott and I, it's like, uh, boom, we yep. were right back there. Friday night, it was late. I was walking, walking you home. home. We you got, go. got
1: down to the gate and See, you I sing was for dreaming I don't know why night. you wouldn't take that offer
0: from Journey It's reminiscent. <laughs> reminiscent. <laughs>
1: reminiscent is a song.
0: Be do, 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 do Yeah, we sing on the show. Tom Homo's on The Wise Guys tonight. During <laughs> and BYU's, he, lied. he
1: lied to start the show. He said he couldn't tomorrow. sing and then he just sang and it was actually right on pitch.
0: During that 1980 season that ended with Jim McMahon's Hail Mary to Clay Brown. Um, You had seven interceptions that year. Why isn't that always in the same sentence as you, you led the whack in interceptions in 80, but we always just talk about Jim McMahon's passing yards and his last pass. You had a great year, 1980.
2: And that's how it should be. <laughs> no, seven interceptions yeah. is off
0: the charts. Come yeah, on.
2: But listen, like, I'm going to be real because this is, this is what this show is about. Right. So, like, I'm, I, look, at, I'm too old to be too egotistical about my stats. <laughs> when you get seven interceptions as a sophomore, it's in relation that they're throwing the ball to you. like the, best, <laughs> oh, the be, I'm going to tell you right now, who was the other corner?
1: Who's playing opposite you the Bill? Bill Shefflin. Yeah, Bill and was. as
2: you guys know, oh, I'm yeah. going to say Bill Shefflin's the best corner, listen to me now, to ever play at BYU. He was ridiculous. And, and like, they didn't throw to his side. So, like, forever. I did have seven interceptions. Yeah. I led the conference. Yes, you did. But they didn't say how many balls got thrown at me. <laughs> that, no, nah, he's, being, he's not being. Uh, no, I'm going to say. say <laughs> but look, it, it's like I really think that, like, that was Jim's team. And that's how we wanted to be. And this is important. Like, guys on that team were not selfish. And so they wanted, like, they just, it. you wanted to serve and make everything possible to give Jim the ball. Sure. So on defense, it was get the ball back for the offense. Yeah, because Jim's going to score. Get the ball back for Jim. Here's what I used to do. When I would come off the field as a defensive back, I would barely go to the I would never go to the bench unless Coach Felt wanted me to come over there. I'd take a knee on the sideline because you didn't want to miss a thing. Yeah. Every single game, you didn't want to miss a play. McMahon playing ball there during that period of time, it was magic. Yeah. And you just can't miss a thing. So, like, when you have the offense and the defense and the special teams totally knit together, you can't lose except for the first game against – New Mexico. Yeah, well, that I'm was so not sure crazy. That ambi- Jim,
1: Jim, my favorite thing with Jim was, and this is the next year, right? Um, we're in meeting rooms, Tolner's running the meeting, and Jim turns the light on. And we're just barely started watching film. And and Ted's like, "What? what's up? And he goes, is this what these guys are going to run? And then Ted says, yeah. And he goes, we're just wasting our time in here. Like, we'll destroy these people. We don't need to watch any more film. Ted goes, everybody good? We go, yeah, we're good. Done. Five-minute meeting. <laughs>
2: and I think Jim that threw six. That I doesn't think, happen very much no, in meetings. I
1: think Jim threw six touchdowns against Probably. Him. Probably. So, so, it, so. It was in Colorado State. They weren't good then.
0: In the 80, the game ends that way. 81, you're back in the Holiday Bowl against Washington State. You
2: get a pick. Six. You're running the end zone, arms up in the air. Was that not the coolest? That's fun. I mean, my favorite pick was my senior year against Georgia. That's yeah. my favorite so, of yours. You know, I had to pick six against Georgia, but here's the reason why. Pick it off and I run it, and I, I get all the way to 62 years or something yep. like that. And I get into the end zone and I look up into the stands and I see my mom and dad. Uh. Uh. It's crazy. It was at it Athens, was only Georgia. only 90,000 fans there. Yeah, and it's in Athens, Georgia. I look up and the first people I see are my mom and dad. And I'm like, that is a tender mercy right there. That's sure. so cool. Was like, what and there's the 88,000 people yeah. there in Sanford Stadium, Absolutely. and your mom and dad stand right out. And had Steve not thrown six interceptions, we might won oh the game. Oh my gosh! So I was gonna, <laughs> I wasn't gonna ask, we'll you ask about him that. about that. But he one. and I have talked
1: about this. It's like, it's like a whole different deal. We're playing Buck Belue at quarterback and Herschel Walker at tailback, and and 88,000 fans in the stands. And, and Steve just keeps throwing interceptions. And, <laughs> and and you guys keep going out there and holding Georgia down. What was the final of the game, like 17-14? 17-14. Like, how frustrating is that to play that good a game against a, a, that good a talent in that environment and hold them to 17? They win on a last-second field goal by Butler.
2: Yeah, I probably was mad at the time, but I'm going to go back. You know, I always try to make, make the most of the situation. Without that game, Steve Young doesn't become... He becomes, he yeah, he, he becomes Steve be. Young after that. Yeah, so like I remember Lavelle going at halftime, and I think he had a, four of them at halftime, and one yeah. of them was a pick six. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Lavelle's talking to the team somehow. It's like, Steve's going to go out there and do a great job. And I'm like, are we watching the same game, <laughs> Lavelle? But like right now, I'm going to say, his, he battled back hard, and then after that, he was great. He had a great, he was a first team All American. Oh, man. He, he
1: was. Yeah. I, I tell people, I've never seen somebody work harder and go from here to here further than Steve Young over the course of the, We watched it. Yeah. We watched him. Um, crazy athletic guy, really, really smart guy. Not great fundamentals to start with. He made himself into one of the greatest players that ever played. Yeah. And, and it was fun to watch.
2: He's one of a kind. Really, yeah. really one of a kind. And it's not so much for what he does on the field. He's got this personality and his this character. His character is impeccable. Yeah. And like I've seen him in very, 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 very difficult situations, where I'm gonna think, all right, big boy, let's see, I handle this one. Yeah. And he, he never ceases to amaze me.
1: Yeah. Those those are those are great days. Uh, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, the this Big 12 thing. They recently. Big 12 is great, and then all of a sudden, new news drops on us here just last week with the addition of Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado, the four corner schools from the Pac-12. That was a crazy weekend, Tom. Like Thursday night, we're going, hey, they're having a meeting tomorrow morning, and it looks like the pac 12 is going to stay together, and by noon the next day, it's announced that two are going to the Big 10, and those four are coming to join you in the Big 12. It's 16 teams now in the Big 12, but it also re- reunites BYU with Utah, who's been a long-standing rivalry and in the same league for most of history. Mm-hmm. Um, there's mixed reactions from Cougar Nation. Some people are like, oh, leave him out in the cold. We don't want him in. and Others have said, this is great. We love the rivalry. H- how do you feel about
2: all of this? I'm on the side of those that say, I love the rivalry. Yeah. That's just, that's the answer. And I, I just, I think that so from being, we've, I've been in the meetings for a year and a half now with, um, Big Twelve, mm-hmm. so I've seen Oklahoma and Texas have been in those meetings partially, oh. and then they're asked to leave when we're talking membership. But I've been, I've seen, I feel, I'm starting to feel the culture went from Bob Bowlsby to um, see, our Yormark, uh, yeah, sort of for, to Brett Yormark, our new commissioner, and I've seen that transition, and you see the vulnerability of conferences. These days, you know, obviously the SEC is very strong, mm-hmm. the Big Ten is very strong, but the ACC—you never thought you'd see some cracks, right? right. Pac-12, you never. Oh, in my day! I grew up in it, LA. It blew me away. Never thought I'd see that day. So one of the things, like as we talked, even before last or the last couple of weeks, we needed to strengthen the Big Twelve as much as we could. Whenever we could. We have a contract that's going to go six or seven years, and then we're going to be right back to the same thing again. So when you see Brett Yormark talking about um, Gonzaga Mm -hmm. and basketball and UConn and all sports, and there's some other ideas, what he's trying to do is make us as strong as we possibly can be. And we get stronger by adding Utah. Yes. No one is gonna. No one can argue with that. Right. You're not gonna weaken yourself by bringing Utah into the conference. You're gonna get stronger. Now I get it. I get the Utah BYU thing. I played in those games. And yeah. So did you. Yeah. I know. I and remember. I know for a fact that <laughs> you won't say, "I want. I want that game. You want that game. Oh, I want that game. So look. I mean, most. You, I don't think there's. Hey, a one player, of our brothers coaches up there. I don't right? think if there's ever a a player that played at BYU would ever say. Man, I don't want you time to conquer
1: I, I I want that game Thanksgiving weekend every year.
2: I don't know if that's going to happen. I know that that's like going to happen. I'm <laughs> so t- that would be a nice had, spot. You
1: mentioned, you, you say, I want, I, that's what I want. I want it the last game of the season every year. I don't know that we can do that in this league, but I do want it every year, and we'll likely get yeah. them every year now, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned a brother of ours is on the staff. He's not on the staff. He's the head coach. Well, we have, yeah. And, well,
1: Freddie's a brother, too, who's well, on the staff, right? Who's actually Kyle's brother and our brother. Yeah, right? so
2: we have some connections, but here, this is a story that I kind of want to share you know, with Cougar Nation a little bit. I've told it years ago, but... So when I went up there to play on our last game of the regular season against Utah at Utah, we had to stop them on defense to win the game. And they, they were, it was fourth down. We stopped and we won the game. It was a hard fought game. There was a guy on their team on the other side that was a great – he was an all-conference player for the um, WAC back in those days, Lonnie Lawson. Oh, yeah. He was very yeah. good. And from the very beginning of the game, he's chirping at me on the sideline, chirping at me. I'm like, dude, we are both DBs. We're never going to get to play against <laughs> each other. But if you want to come out here right now – Come on. We're, Let's we're, go. <laughs> we're talking of a big storm. And it's crazy. And he's yapping the whole game. He plays a really good game. We, we But this guy's like in my craw. Yeah. So the game's over. We go on. I get drafted by the 49ers. The 49ers sign as a free agent. Lonnie Lawson from Utah. I didn't know that. And I'm thinking, what in the world? I mean, this is crazy. How in the world am I going to have this guy as a teammate? We're brothers. Yeah. You know, we played one year together. He got injured, and he couldn't play after that. But it was kind of an interesting thing to think. You know, if that dude was on my team, I'd love him. But if he's on another team, I'm no, not, you're gonna, not lie gonna, him. gonna love one him. bet. Not gonna love. And, you know, him. I think like there's such respect and camaraderie in those games. Whatever the, it doesn't matter, if football or any other sport. And you know, I get it for the fans. I love our fans. I like the fact that they get so emotional and they get so compassionate. I mean, so crazy. They get crazy. Yeah. And, it, and then the back and forth with social media, we didn't have to deal with that when we were kids. True, yeah. But all of that stuff right now, we, we, gotta, we just got to look that we're going to be in the same conference. It's going to make us stronger. We're both going to benefit from it. But when we play, let's go. Oh, yeah. Let's go.
1: Hey, if I play anybody in my family in anything, I, I like. you want to beat them. We play to win.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I don't and, and care what feel it is. the same way. Yeah, and that's, yeah, oh, absolutely. All so I'm talking about their players and coaches. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: And, and, and for, for Tom and I, like, Tom came from California, and I, I, I think you're probably similar. I came from New York. I didn't know anything about this Utah BYU rivalry no. until like, I, I quickly learned. But I was like, what's, what's all this fuss about? Why are the fans fighting each other in the States?
2: Yeah, let me tell it's you like, how I learned about it. So my freshman year, I redshirted. So I wasn't playing, but I went up to the game, it was in Salt Lake, and my, I had an aunt and uncle that lived on the bench there in Holiday. And they're good friends of mine. They weren't members of our faith, but they're my dear, dear aunt and uncle. So I told him I was going to come up after the game. Well, at halftime, it was 16 nothing coops. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm out of here. It's cold. Yeah, yeah. I'm never standing on the sideline. <laughs> and, and, I, and so I go up in, and I go up to see my aunt and uncle. We're at game's over. I'm not playing. I'm out of here. That we lost twenty three sixteen. Oh no! I mean, that's the first time I figured out. Oh, yeah. Okay, you better stay to the it's, end. It's, it, it, in these games,
1: it doesn't matter who's more talented on any given year. It's a, it's fun. So so college football blue bloods published uh, just this last week uh, a best rivalries in college football a uh, thing and they
0: we want to see if you agree.
1: Yeah, and they have BYU and Utah at number ten. So we're gonna we we'll, we'll tell you that we'll preview that. Um, here's who they have in front: Ohio State, Michigan, number one which I'm not so sure. I think Alabama, Auburn has been pretty big. But Ohio State, Michigan, one. Texas, Oklahoma, two. Auburn, Alabama, three. Notre Dame, SC, four. Georgia, Florida, five. Texas, Texas A&M, six. How does Texas get to? Oregon and Washington, seven. Michigan, Michigan State, eight. Florida, Florida State, nine. BYU, Utah, ten.
2: I think for sure number one's Hatfields and McCoys. Yeah, that's big time. That's number one. Not these guys. Here's what I'm gonna say. It doesn't matter. Like the rivalry when I was in high school, that's the number one rivalry. It doesn't matter what other people think about the rivalry. True. It just matters about the two schools playing. Yeah. That's the great thing about sports is that those rivalries come together, and I don't care where we're ranked. I because a, in my I, mind, I got, I got us one. right.
1: I got us right there I, up at five.
2: I got us number one.
0: That's true. <laughs> that's, that's true. That you should. Hey, Alan Abbott says, thanks, Tom, for being my friend back in the 80s on the football
2: team. Oh, Andy Abbott. Is it? Oh, there we go. See? That's not, That's going back to 1977. That's old school. You P- know.
1: People, people have been commenting that you're, repp- you're repping this Berkeley shirt. Yeah, Berkeley Berkeley's Berk- 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 on our live Berk- stream
2: tonight.
0: Sh-
1: shirt. They're like, what is that? Tom's repping the Berkeley shirt. What's that all about? So,
2: Berkeley is a, a great... Brand, where are we at? Pull your no, mic you back it. in here. Yeah. We oh, can yeah. see it. Yeah. Berkeley's so, a great brand. It's uh, my son's brand. Oh, that's it. That's okay. right. That's okay. <laughs> but, um, see, there you go. Here we are. We're talking about Stop the Stigma. And my son's really strong and about mental health. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And um, it's sing- I, I'm super proud of him that he's socially conscious in this area. And this is an area where at BYU, every day, we have to be able to strengthen our young men and young women, student athletes, because in this day and age, it's hard to fight that. Yeah. But it, we, we talk about it every day. It's, there's no stigma. And so he came out with his shirt, and I said, give me that shirt. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I he's that. repping it. I We're glad he's on our live stream that's tonight, great. too.
0: Um, what is your plan to replace Utah that was scheduled for next September 7th and then for six years after that? but. You schedule games so far in advance now, all of a sudden September seventh is that's like thirteen months away. Yeah. What how do you go find somebody?
2: The plan is call Dave Brown. <laughs> Dave so, Brown's our old ESPN, yeah, ESPN friend. friend. Oh, he's my dear, dear friend. And he's, he helps, doesn't but he's move. good at
0: helping mega games. Yeah, do you well, want a mega game I'll or do talk you want about
2: 12, 12 years of scheduling? Yeah, he was my wingman. Oh man! And Dave, it, we still we've talked about three times this week. Okay. So there's what you got to understand is there are no very very few games that right. are even available when you're talking about thirteen months out. So that one's going to be a tricky one because there's only a I mean, they're literally four or five games that are realistic that you can play the game.
1: Is, is the philosophy move forward now that you're in a Power Five league and the schedule? We're going to talk about the schedule. We have DJ bring it up in, in a sec. If I go ahead and bring that up, DJ, while we're getting into this, but um, do you schedule an FCS opponent and then a FBS opponent that's in a, and a G five league and then maybe you know and and then maybe one uh, P five or what? What's the philosophy on all of this now when you've got to play such a rigorous League schedule. I mean, Utah this year opens with Florida and Baylor. That can't be the the formula.
2: Well, I think I don't know if you all understand this, but our schedule for this year yeah. was supposed to be open up Tennessee at home. Yeah. I know. Second game USC and LA, third game at Arkansas.
1: But, but then the back end was going to be a little lighter because. Well, yeah, but yeah. I'm
2: saying if we wouldn't have got rid of those games. Yeah, imagine. Would have, it would have taken imagine. out Sam Houston and Southern yeah, Utah. Yeah, so, so we're looking so at that's that schedule. What Utah, has. Utah has that this year. That's yeah. a tough schedule. That's yeah. a so crazy schedule. I, I don't think you can turnkey it and go A, B, C. People talk about that. But I think when you're in a P5, and, and people will understand this, you can't. We'll have to take care of the next two years pretty much. You just got to find someone to get in there. Right. But I think, like, down the road, you'll be able to maybe right. find some unique games. But it's always good to be able to to find a game that really th- – these teams that we're playing, like that Sam Houston game, is because Tennessee got out of it, the game right. last year. Right. Like within right. a, underneath the year.
1: Um, uh, Blue, Blue Maple says, hey, maybe we could schedule one of those Pac-4 schools that – that are probably going to be looking for games at this point, it's, right?
2: It's possible. Those are those are possibilities. But like like I said, during those scheduling years of independence, what we think works out great for us <laughs> is not always magical for them.
0: Yeah, that's so, so true. BYU so true. has 21 intercollegiate sports. Let's talk about them for a few minutes with Tom Homo, athletic director. <laughs> it's good to have him with us on the, the Wise Guys. Um, and, and before we get into men's hoops, Russ on the live stream tonight asked a question for you about, uh, the question is what can we do to help with NIL? This coming from Russ and Cougar Nation. Um, all the sports are dealing with it. Men's hoops, that's been in the news lately as a, one of the players left and Mark Pope was talking about it the other day saying it's it's my fault I didn't get the job done on the NIL side from from my aspect. Um, and then Russ comes in with his question, well what can the fans do to help?
2: Yeah, I think there's two ways to look at this. NIL is kind of quid pro quo. We have a number of our athletes, a number of them that go out and find someone in the community that's willing to pay them to come and make an appearance or something like that. Mm -hmm. You could have, you know, someone can get a free meal at, name the restaurant in Provo. I'm not going to go out on a limb. right? And then um, they'll get a free meal for, for repping them in social media. That's true NIL. The collective is a different story. Collectives are kind of bigger money. Maybe you're pooling all this money and then you put it amongst basketball or football or women's soccer or women's volleyball whatever it might be right and that money is then kind of there's still kind of a quid pro quo you have to still do something a lot of times it's charitable organizations and things like that so we have a royal blue collective and money can be contributed they've to they've been that. here on the show and explained
1: Yeah we had more. them here and they, they talked a little bit Tom about um, that the the goal for BYU is maybe different than some other institutions and I love what they were talking what they were talking about um, they said we we not only want to give these guys an opportunity to make some extra money to help them we want them to have experiences and to be networked to mentors and to be able to learn how to build businesses we want to teach them skills uh, that when they leave and they're not playing the sport that they're playing anymore, they have a lifetime of skills and network of people that they can make a living the rest of their life, which is different than a lot of other programs. And, and approaches. How does that sound
2: to you? If I'm a mom or dad, that's where <laughs> I want my people. And that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to make it not just, it can't just be about the money. I said this a thousand times, you know, money's important. This is a business. This is the budget at BYU athletics is a lot of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And, but it can't be the primary objective of what you're doing. This is even outside the budget of BYU. So we have to be very careful. We have to be strategic. We understand and we're, we're, I'm open to uh, NIL deals and the collective deals. But we want to be able to do it our way. Once again, right. if we're going to try to look and see what name the school from the SEC does, we would fail we'd fall flat on our face because it, it's not us but if we can do it the way that we design it and it's coming together right now it's i think it's going to be great
0: we put the links up to the royal blue collective on youtube facebook ysguys.com and twitch uh and and uh and if i'm hearing you right and you you want to help go there and that's how you can do
2: it that's right yeah. I, I think um it's interesting because it just depends. It's like it's beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Some of our donors, they want to give to scholarships. Yeah. Some of our donors want to give to buildings. Some of our donors want to give to nutrition. And some of our donors want to give it to the players. And I say... Find your find your lane what, and what go. What makes to you it. feel good about <laughs> it, right? All these contributions, which, whichever way it goes, it's going to help these kids. It's going to help our programs, our teams. It's going to help our department.
0: Men's hoops in uh, Italy and Croatia, the 18th through the 27th. I thought it was interesting stat that I saw: Big 12 all-time wins. Number one, Kansas with 2,385. Number two, Arizona with 1,929, and number three. The of Cokes. all the Big 12, BYU with 1,916. How about
2: that? I saw that. I was surprised to see that. I mean, you, you have these Big 12 conf, uh, you know, conference teams that have been there for a long, long time, played a lot of games. But then you go back to Stan Watts in those days, you combine that with Roger Reed um, coach from UCLA that had Danny. Frank Arnold. Oh, Frank, Frank Arnold, Arnold, yeah. Roger Reed. Um, you know, Steve Cleveland, just go right through. That's a lot of games. That's a lot of years. That's a lot of wins. Our basketball program has been successful. Yeah. And, and when you look at this statistic and you look at the summation of the wins, it's pretty special.
1: Yeah, we, we noted that uh, that Nate Austin was named as an assistant coach. We were over at um, open media practice before they headed off and got to visit with Nate and the group. Um, many think that that of all of the programs uh, at BYU that maybe that one is the one that's going to have to adjust the most, not because they haven't been good, but because the quality of play in that league in men's basketball, it's like not even close to the best and most powerful basketball league in America. What, what, what has to happen for them to be able to compete in that league?
2: Well, I, I think you're right. I mean, we've looked at all the all the sports. We've talked to all of our coaches. I, I like to get these rundowns and see what they're, the, how we match up, because those yeah. are different matchups now, totally different matchups. And recruiting and how you recruit and all that. And you can see, obviously, that the RPIs from the Big 12 basketball conference last year, I shouldn't say RPI, net in basketball, are unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it's daunting. But here's what I'm going to say You just read the stat. We're not sliced liver right there. Right. We, we're, we've been good for a, quite a long time. I think that the Marriott Magic. I think that a fine number of our kids that are starting to come into their own, we had a, a, an interesting strategy last year with a, a relatively short, not short, but we didn't have a real big, but right. you got a guy in Foos that can play the five, five at six, five, six, six, six five, five yeah. whatever. But Seven, six you, wingspan. That you helps. Know, and you have some, you have now an opportunity to be able to compete against the best. And that's what I've always said. I... Wanted to get into the big, uh, to a P5 or an autonomous five, not for the money. I want to get in because I want to play compete. the best teams every single every single week. And this this is going to refine us. It's going to teach us what we need. Are we going to need to get taller? Are we going to need to get bigger? I'm, I'll go with Foose any day of the week. Mm-hmm. But I think um, I think that Coach Pope has been able to bring in some people this year. It was looking on the in the future with missionaries out in the field and the future in the state and recruiting and everything we just have to be able to continue to build this culture and um, it's it's hard to do that in transition years right so we're transitioning other schools are transitioning the big 12 teams aren't they're just reloading yeah. and so that first year will be a transition year and transition year it'll be the same thing for football yeah it'll be the same thing for like women's soccer was picked to win it, that's going to be a transition to all of a sudden new places to travel, new matchups, new competitions, new fields, new venues, all of those things. And but I'm I'm thinking that the Marriott Magic. I was going to say this. We're going to win some of those games at home yeah, that but people don't but think at elevation we have a with
1: that crowd. I had a fun fun experience. I got and
2: it, our guys. Yeah, I got, our I got to
1: introduce. Uh, um, after the thing, I got to do an interview with Foose, but I had Jeff Chapman stayed with us this week. He was in town. and Great, right, I got right. to introduce, introduce Jeff to Foose because a lot of people say, hey, Foose's game reminds me of Jeff Chapman's yeah. game. And to watch those two interact and Jeff mentor and all that was just really a thrill for me to watch those two get together. And I thought, man, if we can teach Foose to shoot that 15-foot baseline jump shot
2: like <laughs> Jeff Chapman, <laughs> <laughs> we're, gonna, we're in business.
0: Foose would be in business We, we in right. business.
2: Jeff Chapman's hands are about two, twice mine. Yeah. He had that control of that ball. What oh. a great shooter.
1: So so uh, Gavin said to me, because Jeff was over, and he goes, Dad, I remember Jeff. You know, we've seen him a lot. But he goes, every time I see him, I'm just in awe of his hands. His
2: hands are this big. Oh, he was a, he's a great gentleman. Yep. Yep.
0: Women's basketball, they're already overseas. The Czech Republic, Austria, and Slovenia, and Italy. They come back on the 30th. Uh, a comment about uh, Amber Whiting's recruiting In just the first 18 months on the job, and we've had a lot of them on here. In fact, we had one who'd committed from Canada, right live on our on our show, um, the number two player in Canada. It's fascinating to me that a, a coach can come from Burley, Idaho, from Burley High School, and step in and build the kind of roster her and her staff have built in
2: such a short period of time. It's about the heart. It doesn't matter if she came from Burley. I mean, there's a lot of people that come from... A lot That's of not a knock on Burley. you are just coming from high school. Hey, well, I'm just saying, <laughs> you got to start somewhere. Yeah. But there's just like, it's, the, it's just about timing. And kind of sometimes the stars are aligned, but she's got a great plan. Yeah. And, you know, I saw that plan when we were um, in the interview process. And there's great candidates out there. But there's like, she had this confidence in a plan that included recruiting. And, you know, like you don't really recruit, but her plan was extensive. Yeah. And she and her husband, who her husband was a great player for us at BYU. You know, you, you go home at night. I don't think in that household they're watching TV. I think they're drawing X's and O's. <laughs> we, and we, had the whole clan, the we had the whole clan in here the twice. Whole family was you know, here. And, uh, and yeah, we're like, works. oh, wow,
1: that that is a very competitive family. And Amari's right there with us. She
2: him. just wants the ball. That's what Amari yeah, wants. And I, I think with Amber, like I, when I say the heart, in this time of these young men and young women, the most important aspect of coaching is not necessarily the X's and O's and the strategy, though they are important. They're on that list, but you have to connect. You have to connect with these young men and women. This is their era. Yeah. They do things their way. I'm gonna tell you a real quick story. Right. A dear friend of mine uh, you know, that I know, he's a, a generation specialist, Dr. Tim Elmore, and he w- played high school football at the same time. I didn't know him in high school, but same time in L.A. So we're the same era. And he, we were talking about this genera- this generation. And he said, Tom, I'm going to tell you something. This generation is different. When you and I were playing, we would, quote, run through a wall for our coach. These kids ain't going to run through a wall for their coach right now. Here's what they want to do. They want to run up to the wall together with the coach and together figure out a way how to break it down. And I went, oh my gosh, that's, that's exactly how it is. They want to be involved. They want to be part of it. They don't want to be told what to do. It's not my way or the highway. And so I, in Amber, I could see her, like her her feelings and emotions and love for the student athletes. Now she's hard, yep, so she, she's she, hard she, on that she, team. She is grinds and but works. She she earns their respect and love to where they can they have the possibility to connect. Yeah. every day you do this day in day out it can't be that you bring them roses one day and then bury them the next you have to connect every single day and that's what i see in her yeah we, we well, feel,
1: they're going to be when we talk to, to amber she says we're going to be young but we're going to be talented yeah, and so true. she says watch us play we're going to have some fun
0: and i love that mentality hey, and, and when this young team gets a year under belt under and, and yeah. maybe two years they're going to be contenders Yep, absolutely. And, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Tom Homo is with us on the Wise Guys, the number one BYU sports live stream talk show in the world, as evident in our live stream tonight. We're live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and wiseguys.com. Soccer season opener Thursday night against St. Louis, 7 o'clock Mountain Time on ESPN+. Plus. Now, here's a coach who's the only coach that's we, we, ever been at women's soccer, Jen Rockwood. She just wins. We and, had, we've had Jen on twice also, by the way, here in studio with us. What, what, what? When you, when you look at what she's built and, and now she's going in as the favorite to win in the Big 12, that says something.
2: You know, I, I think some of the things I'm talking about tonight and when I say that each program is similar in many regards but different, unique, depending on the coach and the culture. But I think with Jen, because she's done this for so long and she has been so successful at it, she doesn't change much. Yeah. But she changes enough. And there was time where she changed some coaches yep. and these coaches each brought in a little new wrinkle. It didn't change the team at all, but changed a little bit of the strategy, a little bit of the connection was a little bit better. And the way that she has created the her the, the secret sauce for them is that summer, tr- summer camp, the kids camp. Yes. She does seven weeks of camp. I can go to camp and watch some of the kids and they're like, 10, or 11, 12, and she'll go, this one's going to be playing for me. I said, Jen, they're 11. She goes, I know how to tell. And most every single girl on our team has played in our camp.
1: Come to the camp wow. over
2: and over again, right? Well, yeah, so she, it's like, it's not like she, she'll go all across the country to find kids, but a lot of them are in her own backyard, and she's not afraid to take the local kids that are very very good.
0: Hey, Glenn, uh, saying good morning from the Philippines. So yeah, there the we Philippines go. Philippines tonight. in the house tonight. We How love about it. That?
1: We hey, thanks for being with us because that's like what is it? Ten in the morning there? Or it's sometime tomorrow. tomorrow yeah. That's <laughs> fantastic. Thanks, hey, tell us for, who won for, the
0: games tonight. So thank, we, yeah. you know, we know, you know in t- advance. Th-
1: thanks, thanks for being <laughs> with us. When we had Jen in the first time, we talked about transitioning the Big Twelve. One of my favorite things was her confidence, and she brings that swagger to her team because she said, "Listen." Um, we're not afraid to play against anybody, and we have some adjustments to make because we haven't played these teams a bunch. It's a really good league. We were in a good league with Santa Clara yeah, and with Portland, and she said, our expectations are this. We're going to put together a talented team, and we want to compete for conference championships and national championships every year, so this will be no different. And
2: I was like, I like that. Well, one of of the things—the proof in the pudding for Jen—is she generally has one of the toughest non-conference schedules in the country. So, like this last week, they played. uh, You talk about traveling across the country. Right. They played an exhibition game against Rutgers in New Jersey, and they were in the national championship game last year. We beat them one nothing in a, you know, in an exhibition. Right. But like she will always have that team ready to play. We, we don't get blown out of games. We might, you know, soccer's a tough game. The ball bounces funny ways. But they're very, very well prepared. She knows the talent that she has. She knows how to, that's one of the miracles of great coaches. Is they know how to use their talent perfect perfectly. Instead of just playing like the same way all the time she'll take her talent and adjust it to take advantage of that individual's talent.
0: And the, the students have also figured out how to make Southfield oh, a horrible man. place to it's play one of the for best opponents. Uh, home it's a beautiful, beautiful in place in all of to soccer. play for an opponent you don't want to come to Southfield yeah. and the Big 12 is going to see that coming. Um, but that that's been a vision that has took some time to catch and once the Cougar Nation caught it especially the student body they're all in all the time
2: over there. Yeah, um, Jen and her sta- Jen and her team, have created this incredible event. It's yeah. it's a, an experience. Yeah, it really and is. And they've led the nation in attendance for Division One soccer. F, I don't. It's not FBS Division One soccer. Division One yeah. soccer. Yeah. And and that's a, year after year we're in we're one two or three every yeah. single year. So I yeah, looked at the
0: stat. A TCU led the. Big 12 in attendance last year, and BYU had three times the number on average. Glenn's up in the mountains of Mindanao, roasting a pig for his daughter's birthday
1: today in the Philippines. While he's listening to the show,
2: hey, thinking about that, I want to know: or is, is Amber watching the f- show from Italy tonight? I don't she know. Could, if she's nah, or not, I don't know, but
1: you know what? She'll they, listen. She'll listen to the podcast.
2: They, uh, they stay pretty to the in podcast. tune.
1: <laughs> and Trent listens to it all the time. So hey, let's talk about track and field for a minute because th- this has also been a tremendously successful program on a national level, uh, both on the men's and the women's side. Um, the the World Championships coming up in Budapest, Hungary, um, uh, from August nineteenth through twenty seventh. Kenneth Rooks, NCAA and USA champion, is going to play. We got Henry Marsh coming on next week. Next week to talk about
2: that. Well, Henry's a great
1: one because nobody's better been, be nobody's right been like Henry in. until now, right? Yeah. And Henry's like talked all about how Kenneth's got this great potential. Henry's coming in with us next week. We got former Cougar Zach McWhorter in the pole vault, uh, in the World Championships. Former Cougar Courtney Wayman in the steeplechase. Um, represented in the world championships. But this has been a program uh, that's been national in in, uh, in its uh, ability. And they should go right in and compete in the Big 12 right now, right?
2: I think so. This is – the thing about track and field, it's a little bit different. Cross country, we're very, very good at it. In track and field, a lot of the teams now are not so strong winning, going for like a national championship team award. But like we have gotten super strong in the individual. Now, you get enough individuals, you put them together. I mean, the teams that win national championships, you they'll have four or five winners, and you're going to win the championship that way. But you're seeing more at BYU where instead of spreading it out so much, they're trying to win a, a lot of national championships or have um, get people that are going to score high in the in the national meet.
1: Yeah, and, and related is, is, is our cross-country programs, both men's and women's, and they're elite, elite in cross-country. Yeah.
2: I mean, that one of my favorite experiences as AD was going to uh, Tallahassee for the national championship a couple of years ago. We didn't win either one, but we won both individual races. Yeah. And to just see all these people, all the cross-country aficionados, and you're taking these pictures as the AD, with my two champs. Two national champs. And people champs. look at that and go, how does BYU have the two champs? How is that possible? <laughs> you better yeah. figure
1: it out. No, we hope they don't figure it out.
2: Of all the great
0: things that you've seen uh, in your time at BYU and associated with BYU, you had, you had the McMahon bomb, you had Danny Ainge beat Notre Dame, you had Jimmer Mania, um, Tina Gunn doing what she did, and, and, and right through Heisman Trophy and all that stuff, to see Kenneth works fall down, get up, Un- and catch the field and win the national championship. Have you ever seen anything like that? It
2: was crazy. Crazy. And I, have you had Kenneth on? No. no but we're going to get him when he comes we, back.
1: We, we, he did that, and then he's just been nonstop. So we, yeah. we, we're, we're trying to get him. And when he comes back from Worlds, we'll get him on the show.
2: Oh, and by the way, he's a 3.96 or 9.8 yeah. GPA. Brilliant. Yeah. So this kid... I mean, I say, kid. He's a man. He's in the championships. He's yeah. in the world championships. But um, he's just like the most unassuming young man. Very, you know, respectful, right. conversational. But he, you'll think he's thirty-three years old because and he's, an accountant of uh, some yeah, sort. I'm telling you. But it's just like he. How many times, even if you have a plan, when it goes wrong in life, you got to figure out how to recover. You know, you get up on a knee, take a breath, look around, you got to make adjustments, you got to change, you get back on track. He did that simultaneously. Like, Like bam. And then just all the way, instead of trying to catch him all at the same time, he took his time. He, someone, I heard a story from Ed that he had planned out if he fell, what he would do. Oh my goodness. And that's he did exactly what he was supposed to do. I mean, the announcers,
1: when you listen to the call of that, the announcers, like, and Kenneth Brooks is coming around like they—they they they didn't were, even know he was catching. They couldn't on. even believe it. Like no. the way that they're like, "This is unbelievable. We've never seen anything like this." It's—it's it's one of the greatest feats I've, I've seen because this isn't—he's not running in a dual meet against the Sisters of the Poor.
2: No, he's, no, no, no,
1: He's running with the best athletes,
2: <laughs> the in, national in, professional in the athletes, right? Yeah. And
1: he gets up and wins that thing. Yeah. It was—it was remarkable. And Henry it was so Marsh,
0: fun. I wrote a story with Henry Marsh for the Desert News right after, and he believes that that Kenneth has a shot. To finish in the top ten over in Budapest, which he said would be incredible, yeah. uh, and then he made a comment which he he actually got faster like six years after BYU Henry Marsh. So he's saying, "Hey, Kenneth's future is just straight oh, ahead no. of him. Yeah. This isn't his peak speed. Mm. Um, may, 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 we may have a world champion on our
2: on, our and heads. like you and said, another you, Olympian. You got Courtney on the women's side. Yes, yeah. you know we're, we might not be running back you." But we We're steeplechase, be, we you, <laughs> steeplechase you, baby.
0: We had Courtney on the show last summer, right as we started this show, right after she won. And um, this, this I, I go back to what you said earlier. Um, there's some, just some phenomenal young men and young women. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're all we, over we campus. We had her, we had her and here A- just Ashton Luntan
1: on the same show because Ashton had just yeah. won the national championship yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the jab. And we, we marvel every time we bring on the athletes – at how articulate they are, how kind they are, how generous generous they are, like you know, we we're all spoiled that we get to deal with this group of athletes. In hey, way.
2: Who has the best job in the world? We do because we we have no responsibility. I do, <laughs> I do, because I get to rub shoulders with no. those young men. That, just what yeah. like you said, every yeah. single day yeah. no. of my career, of my year. Is spent with Cougs. Yeah, we oh, always we always tease. Back?
1: We always tease. Dave and I have the best job in the world. We get to be around all these kids all the time, all these great coaches, and we have no responsibility to win.
2: Yeah, but we've I think, never lost a broadcast yet—not yeah, one. True. We're undefeated. You, 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 you're, you've tied a few. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> well, take. I think one of the greatest things though is I get to see them in their struggles. My yeah. favorite event of the year is the graduation banquet, where I go up there and I look at them, and here is all the seniors, and I am thinking, we're in trouble. Yeah. all the captains all the leaders yes. mm-hmm. all the all americans are gone what are we going to do and then i look at all of them and realize every one of them has struggled mightily to be great yeah and that's the that's the formula
0: let's uh, let's finish up uh, with women's volleyball and then we'll we'll, we'll uh, pitch what's going down tomorrow And then we got a couple of quick questions for you. But the the new poll's out, the first one of the year for the ABCA Top 25. Texas is number one. They're the defending national champ. BYU is number 17. The Cougars are picked number two in the Big 12 right behind Texas. Sadly, we got to go to Texas because it's been fun to have them Mm -hmm. at the field house. That's
1: an experience that people are going to love. But
0: they're opening up up next week in Montana against fifth-ranked Pittsburgh. There's another program that likes to play teams.
2: Pittsburgh is very good. I think we've lost to them three times in a row, but they've been very good games, very good matches. Never
0: in Montana.
2: No, not in Montana. They've been over there in Pittsburgh. Well, I think one of them was here in Provo, but yeah. um, I, I might sneak out to that one.
1: Yeah, and, and you you found that that stat Heather Olmstead's never been ranked to start a season lower than 18th yeah. in her nine seasons. Yeah. So great respect. Yeah, Jeremy Jordan
0: posted that, and so she comes in today at number 17. So that that? Streak yeah. the streak
1: continues. Streak yeah. is on. So that's great stuff. Hey, the, the Cougar kickoff. Do we have the graphic for that, DJ? We can put that up. Cougar kickoff um, is tomorrow. You know, we had the Big Twelve kickoff that we we did a live show from. Um, this will be similar to that, but it, it's it's the fall sports kickoff tomorrow, Wednesday, August sixteenth. It's it's free. It's from six until eight p.m. on the football practice fields just north of that that student athlete building. Um, all the fall sports will be represented. Student athletes are there. Um, giveaways, food trucks performances, all kinds of fun stuff. If, if you're just if you're just in the mood to do what we get to do all the time, that's rub shoulders with some of these athletes and some of the coaches, this is a great thing to be at. It's, at, it's sponsored by doTERRA. Um, it's a great fan event. We'd encourage you to come. And, and you'll and, be there
2: shaking hands and kissing babies, right? I will do that. Cosmo will be there. Uh, there'll be a lot of the team will be there. It's just like, it's kind of like one of the first, uh, one of the last... Events that we have where I say, "Okay, we're here. It's now. on now. Right. Here it's we on. go. This is <laughs> it.
0: It'll be fun tomorrow. Weather's supposed to be decent, which will be, which will be good." All right. Every. Um, by the way, uh, and we've we've kept you long tonight, probably longer than you thought, but we sure appreciate your time here with us. Uh, Kyle Van Noy is the only interview that's gone longer. I want you to know of all the hundred and whatever's that we've but,
1: had. Once we got you here, we were going to just hold you captive. Kyle, Kyle. We, we Cougar Nation lo- loves to hear from you, and and we don't. There's not very many things we get to do, any of us, when we're working in television and you as an AD, where we get to sit down and just talk for this long and cover multiple topics and get into it and then. Because Everything is six minute sound bites, so we really appreciate you coming and doing and that's this. That's what us.
2: we used to do in the Wilkinson Center back in the day. Yes, we did. A little, a little uh, y sparkle and yep, cheeseburger. You could sit Just up there sit all and night. visit all night. So,
0: <laughs> well, well, by the way, uh, for on our night, we had Kyle, uh, Marissa had the kids upstairs, and so he's like, I'll have to sit here and talk to you yeah, guys. All it's, all so. it's all good, he <laughs> said. I get that. <laughs> all right, five quick questions. We hit uh, every guest that comes on the show with this, uh, kind of reveals a lot. They're rapid fire, you don't need to think too much, but but we expect it to be true and sincere.
1: Yes. And thir- first thing, the hits your head. So favorite
2: sports movie? Um, Pride of the Yankees. Oh, Pride of the Yankees. That's
1: the, he's the first one to say that one.
2: Yeah. So. What year was that? Oh, it's Gary Cooper, okay. black and white. Yeah. The Lou Gehrig story. The Lou he's Gehrig Gary's. story. Yeah, amazing.
0: Perfect.
1: You know, nobody, I, that just reminds Brian's song. Nobody said Brian's song.
0: Yeah, that one gets over- Everybody overlooked. Everybody says,
1: remember, the Titans We rooting. all cried through that. Yeah, except for Marie Osmond. When she came on, she
0: chose Hoosiers. Yeah, she went that's right Hoosiers. Because,
2: yeah. you ones. know, she's
1: married to Steve. She had to go yeah, basketball okay. to I'm make good. him happy. So- okay, favorite singer
2: or band? Beatles. Beatles. Not Huey Lewis in the news. Well, I, I, I haven't been to a Beatles concert. Uh, I'm, I'm old, but I'm not that old. Okay, okay, I get it. Favorite <laughs> breakfast cereal? Come on now! I'm not a cereal guy. I'm, I'm really. Okay, I'm going to say Captain Crunch. All right, that's there's, there's, no, there's no. Uh, there's I'm not no a cereal guy. I've given up cereal a long time. ago. Yeah, I don't. I don't do it. Now. But guess what? Before was it a I personal? came up no, no, no. So had, we, I drink a little smoothie every morning. So yeah, I gotta, that's, I that's me now my. too. <laughs> I got to watch
1: my. But so I have to say, before I came up, I was starving and I was running late coming back from work. <laughs> so I look in the cupboard, and we had our two-year-old grandson with us the first part of the week because kelm and the kids are down at Lake Power. Like, like you're not taking the two-year-old. <laughs> So Brenda had peanut butter Captain Crunch in the, ooh, and I actually ooh. had a bowl of peanut butter Captain
0: Crunch. That for can me. do it. That it can was do so it.
1: good. Okay, so Captain Crunch, I respect
2: that. Favorite ice cream? Coconut. Anything coconut. Coconut ice do you, cream. Handles at the mall. Coconut joy. coconut joy.
1: Do you like? Do you like coconut Co- ice cream or coconut gelato? Co-
2: ice cream. I ice like cream. The rich coconut side. joy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that's your first fa- two. By the favorite way. Favorite
1: advice ever given by your wife Lori.
2: my wife is incredible tell the truth I'm gonna say this, this is favorite advice ever so there's one time we were it was Super Bowl tickets and I gave some tickets to somebody that needed the tickets and I didn't tell my wife and so she goes where'd those tickets go I'm like I'm not sure oh and she said tell the truth <laughs> I think so now anytime she thinks that I'm like a little white liar so she's like Tell, the, tell truth. the truth. So that's my favorite advice. Yes. Words Just to pay, live by. Tell the Just truth.
1: tell the truth. And I,
2: I, I'm
0: pretty truth, truthful. Yes, I
2: what, would say that. I've what, known
1: you a lot of years, I would say that.
2: <laughs> I know you'll get
0: emotional here. We have a bonus question for you in a second. But what, what has it been like to have her sitting at nearly every single sporting event that yeah. you've been at over all these years? I
2: could not possibly do this job without having a wife that considers date night being at an Olympic sporting event. You know, so, like, I, she knows how important it is for me, not just to know know the kids, but I got to see them play. I got to see with my eyes and feel with my heart how they play so I can see them and talk to them and talk about the games. And, you know, she's a sport. She knows that I love that. You know, and she has her favorite things that... Like people see me at vintage antique places a lot, <laughs> and I'm doing I'm paying back sure as, in a small small way all the many many times where she's been with me doing my thing with the kooks. that's great. That's so, great. So
1: we ha- we have a bonus question for you because you've got a unique story. Um, so you became a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints six years after you left BYU. So when we met we, back when I was first here and you were finishing up. Um, well, you were not a member of the church, but we all thought you should have been. I don't know what was going on at that point. We all believed that. Um, what was the turning point in that process for you?
2: I just think it was a matter of my my walking that path. I wanted to do it on my terms. There was a lot of people that were pushing and you know, as a little bit but I had to know deep in my heart that it was true for my on my terms. And I knew that if I if I jumped the gun It wouldn't be true to my heart, but I knew that if I I knew I was going to get there and when I did, it would all be worthwhile. So that journey for me was super important to me. And when I finally did, I, it's a, it's a great story. It's a great story to me. I can't tell it right now, but as soon as I did, I never looked back. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it was exactly how I planned. I studied. I read all the books of the apostles. Um, Elder Maxwell was my favorite, I read every one of his books privately. I didn't want anybody to know. You were just doing it on your own. I just yeah. needed to know yeah. for myself. Right. And in the end, um, when that day came and it was just like that one day, and I said, that's it, let's go. And I was up here on, we were I was with the 49ers, it off season in February. And I woke up one morning. I went in, talked to Floyd.
1: Yeah, Brother Jay.
2: Brother Jay. and said, hey, Brother Jay, I'm getting baptized. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, I'm getting baptized. You need to help me. How do we do this? And he said, oh, boy, let's go. Here we go. Called up the missionaries, and they said, oh, we can't be there. And he goes, Doehead. Yeah, remember he's calling me Doehead. You get down here right now, because I said, if I, don't get, if I don't get baptized Saturday, and it was Thursday, right? if I don't get baptized Saturday, I'm not getting baptized. So Saturday, you gave I him two days day. at least, right,
1: Brother Jay? For people that don't know, yeah. Floyd Johnson was our equipment manager forever, yeah. right? He was there when Tom and I were there together, and um, he was the he was the uh, unofficial and official for us. Oh, for sure, spiritual leader for sure of yeah. the team, and he assigned us to speak at firesides, and he, he was so many of us got great counsel from Brother Jay over the years, and he he would you talk about tell the truth. He would tell it like it is to you
2: if he didn't think you were telling the lie. I'm glad that his name popped up tonight because when you talk BYU football in those days, in Lavelle's days, he's a big part of our culture. And it just shows you how many people on a team can contribute to something great. So true. Yeah,
0: Brother Jay. Amber from New York says, Thanks, Tom, for spending the time to help us fans better understand what's going on at BYU and the Big 12. Appreciate you. And we appreciate you being here. Go kooks. We'll let you Go get Cougs. out.
1: Thanks so much, Tom.
2: We appreciate it, brother. Love you guys.
0: The great Tom Homo taking BYU into the Big 12. Uh, and, you know, next year when you come back, then we'll ask you how many more years you're going to do this. We're not even going to ask that Yeah, not we're not asking we going to save you, that for next no, year. No, like, We've got is, too much going on. He's we're, got got some, we're off
2: right now. He, no, <laughs> he's
1: got some navigating to do the next couple of years. He, he's not going anywhere. He's here.
2: It's all about the energy.
0: That's right. That's right. Have so, fun. When, when we're doing game day and the, the team's running out on the field and you're down on the field uh, for the Sam Houston game as BYU starts its first year as a P5 and as a member of the Big 12, That's that's there's a slice of that that's a personal
2: tribute to you. It's my bliss. I mean, you say have fun, don't worry about it. You're going to do it.
1: So, well, we'll be there and we'll, we'll be bringing it to you all. Tom, thanks for spending this much time with us. Yeah, it's golden, you. golden for us. So.
0: Next week, Hall of Famer Henry Marsh and Hall of Fame tight end Dennis Pitta will be with us. Uh, BYU and NFL Hall of Famer Steve Young and uh, former Eagles kick returner Vi Sikahema will be with us on the 29th. John Beck, Dave Rose, September 12th. Uh, that's the week Rose gets uh, put into the Utah Sports Hall of Fame. Dave so Rose, we've got a really great – We got a, listen, you can't keep talking. We have to continue the interview. <laughs> Let's go.
1: We love you, man. Thanks, Tom. <laughs>
0: What a what a treat to have Tom Holman with us. The podcast will be up tomorrow. We encourage you to share it with your friends. We we covered a lot.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was just, and and I was I was you know we were hoping Tom could stay this long, almost two full hours, and and, and for folks around the world in Cougar Nation, what a treat. Now now you can go back. Uh, Listen to the podcast. You can go watch the whole video if you want on YouTube um, to have our athletic director just cover every topic you can imagine about BYU sports and going into the Big 12 and all of that. Um, And... Hey, look, nobody gets
0: an hour and 40 minutes. He's a
1: busy, busy, busy man, and for him to spend the time with us tells you how much he cares about Cougar Nation and and filling him in. So we're very blessed to have him here with us tonight. It was great.
0: All right, let's take care of some business. We still have a bunch to talk about, and we're going to try and do it here in the next 15 minutes.
1: We have 17 minutes to get this done.
0: Food for thought here, a tweet by at CougarStats. BYU is one of only eight schools who has at least one Heisman Trophy, a Davey O'Brien Award, a Doak Walker Award, and an Outland Trophy winner. That list includes Alabama, Boston College, Iowa, Ohio State, Oregon, Penn State, Texas, at BYU. So That's I, good company. Yeah, I was having a conversation
1: with somebody the other day about, about the University of Utah. And I acknowledged, I said, U- University of Utah is, um, they're really good. It's a really good football program. Like They've, they've been competitive. They won back-to-back Pac-12 championships. They're, they're physical. They're really, really good. And then I said, "But they don't have the—they're not historically in the same category as BYU right now." And the person said, "What are you talking about? They, you know they went to a Sugar Bowl and to a couple of Rose Bowls." And I said, "Well," and I brought that—I brought that stat up. And I'm like, "They have not had a single player win any of these major awards." Um, and and it's interesting to me that that hasn't happened as good as they have been. And the other thing they don't have—there's not very many teams that have this—is they don't have a national championship. New. That is a very select group of teams, and I don't care if it happened in '84.
0: It was a good year. It was a great year. It was a great year, and year for BYU you.
1: BYU won a national championship in '84.
0: No one cares what year. You just have one, and having one's different than not having one. Having all the potential to have one and not having one is still a lot different than having yeah, one.
1: Yeah. If you, you hey, you either have one
0: or you don't. Or you don't.
1: It's like you can't be a little pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. Right. You, like that, that's what everybody always says. You you can't. Almost have, you either have a national championship
0: or you (laughs) don't. Hey, the season premiere of BYU Sports Nation Game Day is Saturday, September 2nd, 6 o'clock Mountain Time on BYU TV. We'll be live with everybody out of Cougar Canyon, just outside the stadium for the first hour. Then we're going to move inside the stadium, show you all the festivities like nobody else can. We'll show you the teams warming up, the side stories. We'll have Keaton Slovis, Kalani Sataki, two hours of coverage leading up to BYU, Sam Houston at 8.15 Mountain Time on FS1, and then our live postgame show on BYU TV. That's that's just around the corner so close in fact that the first weekend of college football is now just a week from saturday yeah, it's
1: next week on, on uh, navy is going to play number 13 notre dame in ireland which i never think is it's good to play notre dame in ireland we doesn't talked about that like last it, week no. it doesn't seem like a good choice but navy's going to do it that's next saturday august 26 twelve thirty p.m on nbc how about that and then um, San Jose State is at number 6 USC uh, that same Saturday at 6 p.m. in the Pac-12 I'm Network. eager to see USC. Yeah, it, it's Caleb Williams is 100% healthy again. and
0: They should run the they, table they, if he stays healthy. They
1: are loaded
0: with folks coming back
1: next year. USC should be really, really good.
0: Cougars in the NFL. It's been the buzz, right, because we've actually had some games. There's 20. Former Cougars on NFL rosters. We've got a couple of the highlights, and we'll go over the schedule for what you can watch this weekend. Zach Wilson went 14 of 20, 123 yards, and a touchdown for the Jets. Looked much better he's in his really second moist. game. I, the line block for him this time.
1: I'm telling you, this experience he's having with, with Aaron Rodgers is going to be the best thing that ever happened in his career. I think so. He's going to mark my words. He's going to be a good
0: pro. Jaron Hall went six of 14 for 37 yards, a couple of sacks. His line did not block for him. I'm eager to see him in his second game after having a taste of how fast everybody's going on, on the field. And he just looked, he looked like, a guy playing his first NFL game. Yeah. I mean,
1: he had a couple of throws where he, he showed off his arm. He had a really nice uh, back shoulder throw. Yeah, that good. was a good one. I mean I, th- I think you know Jaron's going to make that team and do well. Puka Nakula, how about Puka? He had three catches for 32. But he is getting rave reviews from his head coach with the Rams. And, um, and so I, I think Puka is not only going to make that team. He's going to be in the rotation, and he's going to have some um, an impact on that team. He could this be season. on
0: someone's fantasy football team. Yeah, he's going later to be good. Year. He's going to be good. Chris Brooks went five for twenty-four. I thought the guy who stole the weekend, as far as former Cougars, Tyson Williams, ten for fifty-one. He's in a situation in Arizona where he not only can make the team, he can play.
1: Yeah, and then and look, I'm thinking about it. is BYU running back you now? Like what in the world? How about Jamal nice, Williams? We're on a nice run. Jamal had nine carries for twenty-eight yards and. Uh, I mean, he's an established pro that that everybody loves having on their team, not just for what he brings in production on the field. And he's going
0: to start at least the first three games because yeah, Kamara is suspended. That's right,
1: and led, led the league
0: in touchdowns last season. Yeah. So um, he's, he's going
1: to have another great year.
0: Okay, so it's Tuesday. Here's what's coming up uh, on Thursday. Sione Taki, Taki and the Browns play the Eagles at 5.30 Mountain Time. That's on the NFL Network.
1: Yeah, and then on Friday, the Panthers with Brady Christensen uh, play at the Giants, 5 o'clock Mountain Time on the NFL
0: Network. Also Friday, the Bengals are at the Falcons, Tyler Algier. Now, they, they play three, so game two, the starters usually play a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. So we should see Algier out there Friday night.
1: Yeah, and then Saturday, there's a number of games. Uh, Dolphins with Chris Brooks. Who's having an impact against the Texans? That's 2 o'clock Mountain Time on the NFL Network. Uh, Blake Freeland and the Colt host the Bears. That's at 5 Mountain Time on NFL Network. Uh, the Bucks and the Jets. Zach Wilson get another uh, chance to show his skills. Um, that That's also on Saturday. Along with the Chiefs um, at the Cardinals. And that's where Tyson Williams is playing and having such a big impact.
0: Titans are at Minnesota. And so Jaron's going to get some time mm-hmm. there on Saturday,
1: and then the Broncos and the Niners. I don't think Fred Warner's going to play much.
0: He probably shouldn't.
1: Yeah, I, would you play him? I wouldn't play him. He's no. the best linebacker in the National Football League. What, I might he, get is, him a
0: couple of hits at some point because you got to play him at least somewhere in either Game Two or Game Three, right. just so he's getting the flow. Yeah, because and you know he wants to play. Yeah. you, you want to yeah. get. You don't want the first game of the year to be the first time you hit somebody. Right,
1: and then seven o'clock on Saturday night, the Raiders and the Rams. Um, so Pukinuku, another chance to show his skill set.
0: Sunday night at 5 o'clock, Mountain Time on the NFL Network. The Saints with Taysom and Jamal against the Chargers with Michael Davis. Yeah. So three Cougars on the same field.
1: What a career Michael Davis has had.
0: Yeah. Um, and so he's making some money this yeah, year. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah, he yeah, five, is. 5 p.m. Mountain on the NFL Network. And then Monday night football is the Ravens and the Commanders. Dax Milne still with the, with the Commanders. And
0: all the buzz is he's making that team.
1: Yeah, again. So Third year. 6 p.m. Mountain. That one's on ESPN. Um, actual Monday Night Football starts this next Monday.
0: BYU Baseball News. Michael Rucker did called back up to the Cubs you knew after he short you, stint you in Iowa. You said he'd get called back. And I yeah. sent him a text to congratulate him. He sent a text back thanking for the support. He's so happy to be back in the show. They're hosting the White Sox tonight. They're in the thick of the division race and the wild card race. And so now Rucker gets to be a part of that.
1: Don't you love that we've got Michael there? And he's a friend of the show's, friend of yours. And, and that's your team.
0: Yeah. It's awesome. so fun.
1: when he came on the show and told his story about uh, um, about facing uh, Aaron Judge. Yeah,
0: at the Yankee Stadium.
1: Oh, at Yankee Stadium with the bases we loaded. All, we could put us all if right there. If you haven't seen on that one, go back and find Michael Rucker in the podcast uh, lineup and listen to that story of him coming out of the bullpen with the bases loaded to face Aaron Judge. It's totally awesome. Loved it. So, um, and then uh, head coach uh, Trent Pratt announced the hirings today of assistant coaches Adam Law. And, and Tyler Coolbaugh Tyler Law returns to BYU where he played and his dad coached. Right. So it's kind of fun stuff. Coolbaugh comes to Provo after two-year stint as director of player development at Arizona. Which so he has been a bring really some program. P5 yeah. experience yep.
0: as BYU gets ready for their first year in Yep. p5 baseball and as members of the big 12 so that's good news today for the baseball program uh, other things that happen on this day August 15th and you know where it's like the Derby we, we're turning the corner and down the stretch we come whenever you hear on, on this, this day because uh, our, our life and our world is filled with so many fascinating events so the Mayflower set sail on this day from Southampton
1: England with 102 pilgrims was that in 1620?
0: 1620 yeah yeah sixteen twenty. so the Mayflower. Got going today, uh, eighteen seventy. The transcontinental railroad completed over in Colorado. And by the way, Jack just put up the um, that YouTube link Thanks, to, to
1: the Michael Rucker. Thanks, Jack, for doing that. Jack, it, did
0: you like we told uh, we told the uh, Steve Perry story with Tom Tom Homo earlier? Yeah, yeah, from your
1: restaurant.
0: So, so, <laughs> um,
1: so transcontinental railroad you mentioned in Colorado, eighteen seventy. This next
0: one might be as big as the railroad.
1: 1911 procter and gamble introduces crisco short 1911
0: where would we be without crisco yes 1939 the wizard of oz premieres at chinese theater in hollywood 1939 on this day right now
1: hey the wicked wish with the flying monkey still scares the living daylights out out of me. it's
0: right up there with jaws yep so
1: 1945 japan surrenders and the end of world war ii is announced
0: 1945, there. 1965, the Beatles play in front of their largest crowd, 65,000 at Shea Stadium. So, how
1: about Tom Homo's favorite band is the Beatles?
0: Yeah, I would have thought it would have been Journey, and then he, then his favorite Bay Area band, he said was Huey well, Lewis, because that was their home. But band. then he
1: went to, then he went to the Beatles. To the Beatles. He's, a, he's imagine and, that. Yeah. So, 1993, Nolan Ryan earns his 324th and final victory. As the Rangers beat the Indians 4-1, to 324
0: wins for Nolan Ryan, the fastballer. Imagine that shoulder. The torque and wear and tear oh, on man. that shoulder. 1997 on this day, the Dodgers retired Tommy Lasorda's number two.
1: And how about August 15th birthdays? Napoleon Bonaparte.
0: 1804.
1: Emperor of France, 1804.
0: That seems significant. Put yeah. it on the list. A couple Have of you ever act- been
1: out to the Palace of Versailles?
0: No. My goodness. Been to Vegas. That, that place, like,
1: talk about living lavishly. <laughs> It makes Vegas look like it's mild and not over the top.
0: Yeah. So Ben Affleck, born on this day in 1972. And Jennifer Lawrence, uh, 1990. Uh, An interesting death on this day in 1057, Macbeth. Wow. Yeah, that's old school. That's old school. Our Wise Guys inspirational quote of the week is from the late Tommy Lasorda, who passed away in 2021.
1: Um, And we mentioned Tommy Lasorda's number was retired on on this day. Yeah. So that's why we go with Tommy Lasorda. Here we go. He says the best possible thing in baseball is winning the World Series. The second best thing
0: is losing the World
1: Series. <laughs> <laughs> that means the, you're in the, you're World, in Series. the World Series. <laughs> People forget that's not too bad either.
0: Lisorda had some great things, and uh, our <laughs> and, and he's he's um, he's got he just had some awesome things. Every now and then you'd hear him mic'd up, and you're just like, "Whoa, okay, yeah, that's yeah. that's how that's how he works." But uh, Tommy Lasorda, um is is a a hero of Scott Warner, our friend from Gig, and uh, and uh, the best thing of in baseball is winning the series. Second yep. best is losing the series.
1: Hey, and D- DJ, can you put up that graphic for us of Us for Cougar? We want I
0: want to yeah. We're talk not, about this. This is a, te- this is a teaser of yes. a teaser. So
1: this is Dave's new book, everyone, and uh, and he's been telling me about it. I'm excited for this to be out. Um, look for this book; it'll be available no- November 7th. At Deseret Book or Deseret Book online, right? They can go go get it
0: online. And so what it is, it's a children's book, a BYU football ABC book. So there's a legend behind every letter. Um, I apologize in advance that uh, the Phantom Four tie got the letter F. Yeah. Although the whole Fowler family could have qualified. Yeah, there's a lot of
1: Fowlers that were involved in football. but, But you know what? We love the Four Ties. My dad and mom live next to the Four Ties when they were in Wymount Terrace back in the 60s. No kidding. And then Darren Forti and I played together at BYU in the 80s. That's
0: awesome. So so
1: two generations, Forties and Fowler's go together. So I'm completely fine that you gave the F to Darren, to, to Phantom we We're
0: Forti. going to talk a lot about that book as we get closer because it, um, you know, we, we read these ABC books to our kids or grandkids. And there, for some reason, there wasn't a BYU football ABC book. But yeah, we well, now, now there's one coming, and, uh, and we'll keep you posted on that. But uh, November 7th, it'll be released by yeah. Deseret Book. Special thanks uh, to Tom Homo, who spent a lot of time with us tonight. And uh, I'm not sure what my favorite parts were. I, I loved when he took us into his 49er experience. Yeah, that was cool. With Bill Walsh and George Seifert, and, and, and when he was the position coach For For Dion Sanders, Sanders. yeah,
1: that's all kinds of good stuff from Tom, and and you can tell why this BYU athletic program has such a heart, um, because that's important to Tom. That that uh, that the the, the program is is one where there's this great family feel, and everybody plays with heart, and they represent the university, and um, yeah, Tom's Tom's uh, fingerprints are all over Mm -hmm. this athletic program, and it's a great program.
0: Next, next week, Dennis Pitt is going to be with us. We
1: always have time for Dennis Pitt, oh, yeah. even if they don't have time for him on We can't wait.
0: Nation. Dennis has got a lot to say yeah. uh, heading into the season. And, and, and I was going back and forth with Henry Marsh today. We wanted him on next week because that's when um, Kenneth is, Rooks is over there right. to compete in the Worlds uh in a in an event that uh henry marsh has done many 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 times um and he said hey i'm coming in he's in he lives in idaho yeah but he's gonna be in salt lake and he's coming to the studio i'm
1: so excited henry's a dear dear friend and man he's been in some big time races and it's so it's gonna be so fun to hear his take
0: and he's got some stories oh man we, we may end up going bonus time yep. with, with the great so, two henry great marsh. guests
1: next week and then the following week we have we have uh, Steve Young and Vice on. That's, that's quite a doubleheader. Yeah, so we got back to back. When have we not had a great right. guest on? And this then the show? week
0: after that, we're breaking down Game One. Yeah, getting we, ready for Game Two. Here we go.
1: And and by the way, next week when we get Dennis on, um, we'll we'll have a little more of a chance to give you an update on fall camp as it's kind of winding down and they're getting ready to start prepare. We'll, we'll talk to you about some of the, the the too deep and some of the stuff that's going on with BYU football a little more in depth next week.
0: The uh, podcast will be up tomorrow. And we encourage you to share it with your friends and and look for clips uh, on YouTube, you know, different things Tom said about this or said about that or what he said about how he feels about Utah being part of the Big 12. You know, look for those clips uh, throughout the week. Um, There's just a lot, a lot to unpack.
1: Yep. So fun. Great to have Tom in here. And uh, we'll we'll see you guys all next week. We got another great show on tap for you.
0: For Blaine Fowler, I'm Dave McCann. We're the Wise Guys. And uh, man... We're cruising. We're ready for the Big 12. We're we've ready. been doing this for about a year and a half. And Tom, Let's go.
1: I say we're undefeated. Every show we've ever done, we've never lost a show. Yeah, he, he said there he were said a couple of ties. I think we're undefeated don't with every think, show we've ever done.
0: I don't think we've had any so, ties. No, we've never lost a Have show. Have a great week. See you next week. See y'all.